gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. From the Ancient One Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome to the Cube. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 135 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. I am your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. Brendan, we have a couple few things to start the show out, but tell us what we're going to be talking about most of the time. Yeah, so the main topic of the show today is going to be the new Flesh Eater Court Battle Tome mm. that is right now available in that limited release box. So, you know, much like Cities and Seraphon from earlier this year and Slaves of Darkness last year, it's the Battle Tome that you will be seeing, but, you know, just a, a little bit early with some of the models and both you and I, Dan, are really excited about this about this book. Yeah, Flesh Eater Court's got a major upgrade in the lore, and obviously they were the last 2.0 battle tome to yeah. to be in play. So they got upgraded to to third edition to join the rest of their the rest of their peers in the in the game. Yeah, just so so good, so good looking, and yep. really good stuff in the book. So the next thing is it is Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And we have come to exchange gifts at this time of year, you and I. A little different this year because of the distance. Yep. <laughs> but we wanted to share with you, the listeners, kind of what we, we've done for each other. So I'll go first. And, you know, trying to get something for someone like Brendan who has everything, he has everything Warhammer. I mean, he's got all the war dollies and sprues he could use. He's got all the paints, all the brushes, everything. It's like I'm trying so hard to think, what can I get this guy? And then I thought, well, wait a minute. He's had a little bit of a lifestyle change. Why don't I get something nice for him and his fiance? Wouldn't that be nice? It would be nice. <laughs> so what I did was I did a little bit of digging and I got a gift certificate for the two of them to a local Italian restaurant, knowing that you enjoy Italian food and Katie enjoys Italian food. So, and I think it's pretty close to the house from what I saw on the map. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's not quite right around the corner, but if we really wanted to take a, a nice stroll over there, we definitely could. Oh wow! Okay, uh, coolio. Yes, yeah, so that was that was really nice to see, and it came in this completely nondescript white envelope, <laughs> and because you had sent me a text, you know, have you gotten anything from a local restaurant? And I'm I'm digging through the mail, and I'm like, no, no, Dan, I I don't I don't see anything. And I'm like, Katie, did you see a letter addressed to me, like, you know, in the last couple of days? And she goes, yeah, I put it on the fridge for you. And you know, I open, and I'm like, and I'm looking at this, and I was like, I would have totally missed this. If, if you know, when I when I called the restaurant to get it, I was like, can you mail a gift certificate? She's like, yeah. And I'm thinking at least they'll have letterhead or something. But then it's like, it's just a local mom and pop place, right? So maybe yeah. not. And I was afraid you were going to see it and go, ah, junk mail. <laughs> But it got there, and you guys will have it to use at your convenience. So I'm I'm happy for for the fact yeah. that you can can enjoy that. So so what I got for you, you haven't gotten it yet. It showed up at my place today, and I wanted to make sure that it was okay. right before I sent it to you. So you have also had a lifestyle change, uh. less in location and more in activity. Uh. So uh, you and you and Cindy are now retired RVers. Yeah. 
And so what I got you guys was a, a welcome mat for your RV that says home is where you park it. Oh, there's, a, awesome. there's a little picture of uh, <laughs> of, a, of an RV that's and great. it's got both your and Cindy's name on it. So, oh, personal. That's uh, so wonderful, man. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I know I know you in particular have been loving all of your RV and RV accessories. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's perfect. Well, when we head to the Badlands this spring, I will take a picture as soon as it hits the ground, man. <laughs> Perfect. Thank <laughs> that you. That is awesome. Well, thank you for that. That's that's incredibly thoughtful to personalize something like that. All right. Well, that's our gift exchange this year. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And that's about it then. Let us move on, my friend. And cool. we will go to Whispers from the Warp. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Brendan, what's on your bench, buddy? A lot of things. Been painting Iron Jaws. Since the last show, I finished <laughs> up the the Big Pig. Yeah. And I'm pretty pleased with that. It's over on Twitter. I have a second Big Pig I'll have to paint. But I'm getting a jump start on my side of Adepticon teams here. So right oh. now I'm I'm working on the other five Ard Boys for the unit. Okay. And I found that those take me about a day each. So that's been... <laughs> God. Wow. Yeah. That's... Trying to highlight that armor is, is really tough. I mean, there's easier ways to do it, but when you're working in yellow, you got to make sure that, like, you're really hitting the, the high and sharp points with, you know, your... Your yellow is all the way up to you know the your yellow white mix. Okay, and uh, and that's been an experience. I've got my brutes painted, or not my brutes painted, my brutes built, and I've got I've got them converted. They're going to actually basically look like really big ard boys. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you know, so they're they're getting shields. They're the old ard boy masks actually are the right size for brutes. Oh wow. Um, okay. They were big and silly looking on the old art boys. And I, I was like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, how am I going to get the conversion points for my stuff? And I was like, okay, well, I can give them shields. Like, that's cool. But like, you know, that's totally minimal. And everyone's going to look at that and just be like, cool, you just gave them shields. Like, okay. like whatever. And I was flipping through my bits and I, you know, I found an, an art boy head and I stuck it on the model. And I was like, you know, actually, I don't hate that. Okay. All right. So you know we're gonna we're gonna do that. I built my flesh eater court box. Oh, and, uh, okay. Yeah, got it. Got it all put together. Just a heads up for everybody who has it. Crypt guard number eight and nine. Mm. Their weapon is switched. Like the sword is switched between the two of them. So the number that they say to pull for crypt guard number ten is actually the sword for crypt guard number eight. Okay. Okay. You figure it out pretty quick. <laughs> I was sitting there and I was like. Why, why doesn't this work? <laughs> so mystery sprue, yeah, yeah. And there's there was something else where the numbers were switched a little bit, but overall it, it went together pretty quick. The uh, the knights were more difficult than I expected to, you know, for what they were. But you know, I, I think it's just because of how complicated the model is for how small the base is. You know, okay. it's just a. It's the it's not the small cav base, but it's the size cav base that you would put like a chaos knight on. Okay. And I mean they're they're pretty involved. So been collecting some ideas on how to convert my second big pig and you'll go from there. Oh, yeah. It's been 
Yeah. I, wow, you've been all over the place. Holy mutt. Yeah, I, I really want to get the my part of the Adepticon stuff done early because I know that I've got at least one tournament that I'm registered for. Sure. And and attending. And, you know, there's potentially a second. And February is for the <laughs> most part when I when I would get most of this army done. So right. I, I want to get it done ASAP. Okay. Excellent. Um, what have what have you got? Uh, you've been you've been a little busy, so I expect yours to be much shorter than mine. Yeah, I've been indisposed for the last four or five weeks, so it's been a little tough. So I kind of had to reprioritize stuff because I got a bunch of models built and some primed, and you know I've got that corn army built in and primed, and part of that is the the maggotkin you know army of renown that i want to include as part of my corn list so so that's all sitting over there i've got nine dragonflies you know waiting to get painted they're primed but i got those i've got belthanos of course who's primed <laughs> and then i had i had which this is the good news six kernoth scythes primed they are now painted which is beautiful Ooh. i just have to base them but that went together really, really nicely. Again, having the template from the other, you know, six, the swords, really helped a lot when it came to the paint scheme and what I was going to do with things. So once I get these done, I'll have a trifecta of Kurnoths, which is kind of cool. I have six of each type, which will be really nice in terms of army building and stuff. And the next thing, when I get these Kurnoths done, the size, I'm going to paint Belthanos. And then I'm going to work on the bug, the big beetle bug thing. Uh, so those are my priorities. And then I want to work on finishing up those dragonflies because that will close out my Sylvaneth army, which will clear the queue for whatever's next. You know, okay. I, I mention, of course, every once in a while to just get people kind of, what is this mystery army I'm working on? <clears throat> Well, it's, it's this mystery army in addition to your corn army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not going to be a big army, at least at first. I'm just I'm shooting for a 1,000 points. But of whatever it is, you know, whatever system it is, it's going to be a 1,000 points. And so it'll be enough to take to, you know, maybe a, a small team tournament or an event or maybe play with friends or whatever okay. it is, right? So we'll see how that goes. But that one's... That's next, but that has to come after all the Sylvaneth are finished. So that's what I've been working on. It's nice because for the next couple weeks, I'm going to be home and have access to all my stuff so I can really focus on this. Hopefully get, get my Sylvaneth done, which I would really love to do. The one thing I'm kind of back and forth on is the wings on the dragonflies because, you know, I replaced the wings on my Gossamids and on my Archrev, you know, and do real bug wings. But right. there just isn't anything that's the right size or dimension to go and replace these plastic wings with. So I'm trying to maybe come up with a maybe color changing scheme on them, some color changing sure. paint. I think that would look cool if I get the um, right color. One of the things that might work is getting like a 3D, 3D printed like Nurgle drone wing. Mm. Um, yeah, but yeah. it might you might have it scaled a little bit differently because because some of those are are definitely too long and some of them might be too small. But you know you okay. could you could potentially just 
find an SDL, and I know those those guys over at Plane and Slay and love their 3D printers. Yeah, I, I'll bet you. you. Maybe yeah. maybe help you with getting something that's the right size. Yeah. Okay. Good suggestions. Alrighty, that's it for hobby then. Pre-orders. We got a few things. We got a Thousand Sons Heresy Librarian. He's looking pretty sharp. We have a Necromunder Enforcement Vehicle, which Enforcer Vehicle looks cool. We have a Necromunda Supplement Book, another set of rules. Another set of rules for Necromunda. <laughs> They've got like 10 supplements or something, man. It's crazy. And then there's the Kill Team box with the Space Marine Primaris Scouts and the Eldar. We have a new Underworld's Warman. And we have a bunch of Tyranid reinforcements. Everything that came in the Tyranid box is now kind of popping out individually. So you can get that Wing Tyranid Prime individually now and some other stuff that you couldn't get before. So if you're a Tyranid player, that's a good way to access some of this stuff. So that's pre-orders. Drops, well, obviously the FEC stuff, the box is out. There were four battle forces, which all just disappeared. Gone. <laughs> Going, go oh, okay. Next. And then we have a cool... Christmas squig, because there are some people who collect these kind of models, and it does look freaking cool with a Christmas grot on top of a giant squig. Looks pretty awesome, actually, if you're into such kind of models. And then we got Admech and Necron stuff has all dropped. The Heresy Legion Assault Squad is dropped. So those things are all out in the wild, which is good. So that's product for this week. Games played other than Sigmar. Yeah, I was invited over to Commander Night at Vince's house. Okay. Uh, so that's Magic. And that's the oh, yeah, yeah. 100 card, no repeat format. And I had I had purchased a Sauron Lord of the Ring Magic deck when the Lord of the Rings Magic set came out this summer. So it was nice to, to get to play that. Met some of his friends, some of his gaming buddies. Mm-hmm. It just just had a had a blast. It was just it was just such a good time, you know, just sitting eating pizza, you know, just <laughs> it's great. Yeah, just just enjoying hanging out. So hopefully I I get invited back. <laughs> okay. You know I. Yeah, it, that was uh that was fun. I you know haven't really had any video games or anything that I've been playing. I've just been spending a lot of time painting, and that's sure. that's been that's wonderful. The, the majority of of my time spent. Excellent. So what about you, though, Dan? Well, because I've been, you know, on the road and indisposed, kind of, I haven't really had time or access to anything but my iPad, honestly. And there is a card game that some people may know about. It's called Star Realms. And it's really, really cool. It's, you know, you have a deck. Each person has a deck that starts exactly the same. And then you have cards that kind of come out as the turns are played and you have to build supply so that you can buy units so that you can blow up your opponent and once you see it played it's actually pretty easy to learn it's really quick to learn but to master it you have to play it a lot and i just enjoy it because it's simple it's quick you can play a game in like five minutes i played a lot of games of that when i was gone <laughs> when i had a few minutes to just decompress i would pull that up and um, so Star Realms is what I've been doing when I've had a chance. But other than that, I really have done no gaming at all. 
yeah. believe it or not. Uh, Sigmar games, I have got none in other than the one I talked about, you know, with Kenny a couple weeks ago. Anything for you? Yeah. So the after, so Friday was card day, and then six on Saturday, I went over to Vince's house and I got to get a test game in with the Flesh Eater Court, you know, book. So stopped at the game store, picked up my oh, cool. picked up my battle box, <laughs> nice, and then popped over to Vince's house and and got to play that because you know normally that's when I was living up by you, that was something that I would do. Oh yeah. Certainly, if it was a book that I was particularly interested in, but if there were, you know, complex mechanics that I really wanted to understand how they worked, you know, like I I do think Flesh Eater Courts has a relatively com like complex meta currency that they use. Mm, yes. And I wanted to I wanted to see how hard or easy it was because there's a lot of there's a lot of opinions out there on you know the quality of that mechanic or how powered it is. Okay. And so you got a game in. Good. Excellent. All right. Then if that's it for games, let's talk about events. January RTT is just in a couple weeks. And I should be here for that. The nice thing is there is no painting requirement. So <laughs> I could take some of my unpainted Sylvaneth and, and try a, a fun list with that. Um, Freecon is still in January, but that I may not be able to make now just because... You know, we may have to head back out again for a little while to take care of some some family business. Brewhammer, isn't that one of the things you're going to do? I tried to, yeah. I'm, I'm on the wait list. Oh, so, shoot. Okay. You know, here's here's the hoping. And then there was that other Michigan event, wasn't there? With that? Yes, there's, there's High Ground Gaming. That's in April. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to end up signing up for that. Um, but the week after Brewhammer is the Nashville Teams event. Right. So that's the February event I'm going to for sure. So for us, we're just waiting to have the winter battle scroll drop, and then that that'll be how we determine who's who's playing what really. And are you is that the one you're kind of trying to get your orcs ready for? No, this is for this is for Adepticon. This is okay, for Adepticon, teams. Adepticon teams. Okay, got it. Okay, got it. Yeah, no, no, no. The, I. <laughs> I, I might have all all thousand points of this done for Nashville, but unfortunately that's a two thousand point tournament. So okay, uh, <laughs> all right, fair. And then we recently found out that Depticon goes live on the seventh, so just two weeks, man. Yep, it's less than so two the, weeks. The preview for the for the cart and everything is available. Yes. Uh, on the website, so you can kind of plot out what your I'd, most of a week of Adepticon would look like <laughs> yes. uh, if you're going for all of it. <laughs> yeah. So. It's funny because I'm trying to make it to that swap meet, you know, that they run out in Butler. Um, yes. They, they run. And finally it looks, oh, I'm going to be able to make it this year. And then, like, oh, God, that's the sign-up day for Adepticon. <laughs> so I'm going to have to really squeeze in the time. I'm going to have to be there right at 10 when it opens and be sure I leave just enough time to get home and get on my computer. <laughs> that was kind of crazy. And that's the day after the RTT too, so it's going to be a busy weekend. Yes. For yes, events. Yeah. So I think that's about it. And that means we're moving on to the main event. Emperor Lies coming up and Flesh Eater Quartz. I mean, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're we're a time bomb. Okay, Brendan, how about some opening thoughts on this thing? This is a very interesting battle tome. 
The reason I say that is Flesh Eater Courts, as I talked about in the show open, was the last 2.0 book that we had. And this is very, very likely the last 3.0 book that we're going to get for, you know, for the edition, because based on the cycle, it's expected to flip over to fourth edition in the summer. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting to see what they wanted to do, because we knew we were getting a ton of models for for this army, and candidly, in the competitive scene, the 2023 books have been bonkers. I mean, just mm-hmm. just so ridiculously good. Sure, yeah, yeah. And this is probably the most balanced and cohesive book mm. that's come out on release. And there's only one or two things really in here that I looked at and I went, mm, that was kind of a miss, either in terms of what it's pointed at or what it does. But there's nothing there's nothing in here that isn't imminently fixable, which which is really nice. And the other thing that I think you really want to talk about, you know, Dan, is that the lore in this battle tome is really fully developed. Mm. And and I think that that lore is really coherent with the rules and the army mechanics, which is mm-hmm. really, I think, where an army starts to feel special in terms of it having mm-hmm. a place in the game when the rules match the models, match the lore. Mm-hmm. It really feels like you're playing, you know, that army. And I think... Flesh Eater Courts really nailed it in that in that respects. And yep. granted, I've only had one game of it on the tabletop. It plays really differently than it did with the 2.0 book, but it's very familiar, if that makes any sense. Sure. My couple of thoughts, first of all, one that is kind of minor, but I think it's impactful too when we talk about the lore, is the front and the back cover of this battle toe. It's just so awesome because we know that it's, all about delusion. It's you know what these creatures see themselves as. But when you look at the cover, it's just massively hideous. And then when you turn to the back cover, you're just going, oh my God, this is what this, that creature on the front cover sees himself as this night. Yeah. Like, how powerful the delusion is that? Because this is just this heroic guy with, you know, the face and the eyes and everything. You're going, wow, that's, oh man, I would be inspired by this person, right? And then you go back to the front cover and go, oh my God, it's, it's horrific. It's horrific. It's just so cool how they built that in even to the illustrations. And in terms of the lore, as you said, there's so many parts and pieces here that tie so closely to the the rest of the book to the rules and it's really nice to see that i like you said i think that it's more complete a story than it ever has been with them i think it fills in a lot of the blanks a lot of the origin a lot of the reasoning behind what's happening and how the delusion happens and all those things it's just so cool the other thing i want to make is a lore suggestion for people who have not read or listened to ghoul slayer which is one of the new go trek you know, Mortal Realm books, because that book, a lot of it is written from the perspective of the flesh eaters and the perspective of their king and their queen and the knights. And throughout 99% of the book, this guy is talking as though he's a king. And you're like, you're not a king, man. (laughs) You're just not. (laughs) But the way it's written, it's so immersive and you absolutely understand What's going on with these things? Anyway, 
as I look through the rules as well, I have some concerns about some things, which I will express to you, you know, we'll, sure. we'll share. But overall, there's just some really cool stuff in here. And some of the characters are just awesome. Like, they're just minor characters, but the things they do are just really, really neat and kind of very unique as well, you know, for any army. Yeah, the, there are some really genuine, unique mechanics in this book that you do not have available in any other battle tome yep. in the game to this point. Yep. And that's that's really cool. I always love when they play around with spaces that they've not played around with before. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the detriment to the rest of us. <laughs> I think that this is, at least in the space that they have chosen to explore, they've, they've found a good way of balancing some of the crazier aspects of, of those new mechanics. Because I, I think one of the things you're going to be concerned with because you and I really haven't talked about this, and I think you're going to no. put it my, you know, at the foot of my desk here, Dan, is <laughs> returning units and then being able, and you get them at half strength, but being able to return them to full strength, I think, is one of the mechanics you're going to be, <laughs> you're going to be a little concerned with. Am, am I right in that, uh, yeah, that yeah. estimation? And I, I'd say if it wasn't for some other things, it would be more of a, oh my God, that's so broken. But I think it's okay. I am concerned about it, yes, to your to your point. But it's also like, it's okay that they allow them to do this because there's other limitations in other places. And so it's all right. It somehow, it, it, not, that, not that it needs an excuse of saying that. It's just, it's good because it's balanced when it does that, you know? There's some armies where you can do some insane recursion, but the army's so crazy already that it's just like, okay, fine. Just one more stupid thing, you know? And this isn't like that. And we'll talk about some of those limitations, or at least what I perceive as limitations. So, all right, man. Battle trait time, my friend. Yes, battle trait time, which is really where the really where the rubber hits the road with this army and informs pretty much how the entire army works and also really informs how it is you're going to go about building your lists because... I think if you looked at some of the War Scrolls and some of the heroes and what they do in a vacuum, you'd go, I really don't know what what this unit does. Mm-hmm. But the, the Noble Deed system is really what defines the role of some, certainly of the Cordier models, the, the Abhorrence, which is you know your bigger, more vampire-y guys. They're... Mm-hmm. Their roles are very, very clear okay. uh, from from the outset. So, well, let's cover the first. Two, I'll cover the first two things quickly because they are easy, and then let you roll us through the noble deeds thing. So, grand courts, sub factions. We have four, only four, which I was a little bit surprised at because most of the books we've gotten, we've gotten six or eight or whatever. But it is what it is, and mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah, four is what we have, four is what we'll work with. The next thing is Deathless Courtiers. So all the army has a six-up ward, which is cool. Yeah, fine. Death army that has a six-up army-wide ward. Yeah, can't hate that. So next is is the big kahuna, and it's Noble Deeds. Yes. So the, the Noble Deeds are the points that you are going to need to keep track of over the course of the game pretty meticulously because you're going to spend them as as the game goes on and unless you're really kicking butt and then you won't but there are three ways here in the battle traits to gain noble deeds so the first one is each time a friendly flesh eater courts hero successfully casts a spell that is not unbound give one noble deeds point to that hero Mm -hmm. cool 
Each time a prayer chanted by a friendly flesh eater courts hero is answered, give one noble deeds point to that hero. So that's that's huge, right? This is the first death book that has priests in it. Yeah. Nagash used to be a priest. They took it away. You know, very controversial, very sad. The third way is each time a friendly flesh eater courts hero fights, after all of its attacks have been resolved, give that hero a number of noble deeds points equal to the number of mortal normal wounds and or mortal wounds caused by that hero in that phase were allocated to enemy units. Do not count wounds or mortal wounds caused by that hero's mount. Mm-hmm. So your zombie dragons and terror guys aren't going to count. Sorry, everybody. Yep. Each Flesh Eater Quartz hero can have a maximum of six noble deed points at any one time. It cannot be given any more until the number of noble deeds points is reduced to less than six. Now, Brendan, this is something that they retain until they spend, correct? It doesn't go correct. off, okay, at the next battle round. They don't lose them all or anything. Yep. Okay. Yep, you, you hang on to these for every hero, and then you spend them on an individual hero basis. Mm-hmm. Your opponent can't take them from you. You spend them. Yep, okay. One of the things here of note that is, at least I found pretty important when I was when I was playing it, is your Abhorrence are your only wizards. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. you can give somebody Arcane Tome and make a Cordier a wizard. Mm-hmm. There's only one priest as you make it but there's an artifact where you can make somebody a priest which sure we'll, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. but for the most part you are going to be gaining your noble deeds through fighting or <laughs> a heroic or a heroic action when i have to laugh just because six wound heroes fighting okay mm-hmm. okay you sure <laughs> you are going to have to either put them in the mix or Mm-hmm. There's a heroic action that mm. lets you that lets you get them. Yes, and I found it to be not as reliable as I would have liked. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's how you get your your noble deeds. So Dan, would you like to tell us? Oh yeah, what the what the first category of value you get from noble yeah. deeds are? So feeding frenzy. So add one to the attacks characteristic of melee weapons used by f- friendly flesh eater quartz units while they're wholly within 12 of any friendly heroes that have six noble deed points. In other words, are maxed out because they can have up to six. So there you go. Add one to attack characteristics of melee weapons. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's that's really good. Yeah. Right. This is this is replacing the mechanic that flesh eater quartz had where they fought twice and it was a command point. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to the last episode, folks, you knew how frustrated I was sometimes when I played an army that didn't let me <laughs> spend my command points yeah. to to fight. Now the other thing here is that as long as they have six, you don't have to spend anything. Right. Spend any of your noble deed points to get this feeding frenzy. You just have to have that many because these other things we're going to talk about is you do need to spend points so yeah i'm going to talk about the next two things Mm -hmm. the first up is muster guard at the end of your movement phase each friendly courtier and that's a that's a key word so those are going to be kind of your smaller support heroes Mm -hmm. which again feels nuts it does Um, yes can spend one of their noble deed points to return one slain model to a friendly serfs unit that is within 10 inches of them and so your serfs are like your ghouls your crypt guard your beast slayers or they can spend two of their noble deed points to return one slain model to a friendly knight's unit, keyworded, so those are your horrors, your flayers, and your morbeg knights. That's within 10 inches of them. You can use this ability multiple times each turn as long as the required noble deed points are available. So mm. if you've got one point to spend, sorry, you can't bring a knight back, but you could bring a surf back. You're not obligated to spend these points at any at any time other than the end of the movement phase, and it's a may statement. So, you know, if there's a unit that you want to die for some reason, 
Don't spend the points. Save them for later. Sure. The next is summon loyal subjects. At the end of your movement phase, each friendly aberrant can spend six of their noble deed points, which is all of them. Yes. To summon loyal subjects. If you do so, you can pick one friendly serfs or knight unit that has been destroyed and add a new replacement unit identical to that unit in your army with half of the models from the unit that were destroyed, rounding up. So if you have a unit of 10, you get 5. If you had a unit of 3, you get 2. If you had a unit of 6, you get 3. Replacement units must be set up wholly within 9 inches of the edge of the battlefield and more than 9 inches from all enemy units. Each destroyed unit can only be replaced once. Replacement units cannot themselves be replaced. Remaining models which are not part of the replacement unit count as having been slain and can be returned to the replacement using using the muster guard ability or rally command ability. Mm-hmm. So this is that last sentence is brand spanking new mm-hmm. to the game Age of Sigmar. So when you lose a unit of 20 ghouls and you summon them back, mm-hmm. you get 10. But you can rally back <laughs> 10. You can muster guard the missing 10 to to that unit. It's so crazy. And that is first off, that's very different. Yeah. One of the one of the big mechanic changes with that is so summon loyal subjects triggers at the same time as muster guard. Mm. So you can choose the order in which those things happen. Mm-hmm. So you can bring back, let's say you had a unit of nine horrors, you lost them. You're going to bring back five, mm-hmm. you bring them back within 10 inches of a courtier. That courtier has some points to spend. They can use that at the end of the movement phase to return models to that unit. Let's say, for example, it's two for knights. Mm-hmm. And horrors that you just talked about are knights. Yep. So if it had six, it could bring the other three back, or it could bring three back, you'd be back up to eight, correct? Correct. Yeah, and that's just, Brendan, it's nutty. You just lost the unit of nine, and they're eight sitting on the table. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. And, you, <laughs> and so the unit, when it's set up from loyal subjects, has to be nine inches away. But as you bring those models back, you can set them up at the front of the unit mm-hmm. to, to decrease the range of that charge. Yeah. There are also other ways to make that easier, which we'll get to as we cover the mm-hmm. War Scrolls. But the thing that I will caution people on before they really lose sight of, of what this means. This is incredibly powerful, and I'm not going to tell you that it's not. Mm-hmm. But in order to do exactly what Dan talked about, as, as described... You needed to spend six points from... So, number one, a unit of nine horrors had to die. Mm-hmm. Your abhorrent had to have six points on them. Yes. Spend them. So that abhorrent loses their feeding frenzy bubble. Yep. A courtier needed to have six points on them, mm-hmm. which they either got through fighting, of all things, or using the command ability or potentially sitting in the charnel throne, which, you know, we'll, you know, we'll get there when we get there. But both of those now have lost their feeding frenzy bubble mm-hmm. as, as they stand. And the only way they can get that feeding frenzy bubble up this turn is if they start killing. And there's a way of making the feeding frenzy threshold lower, which we'll get to next. But that currency is gone, done and spent, and it's going to take some effort to get it back to where it needs to be. 
and you can you can make all of these things a little bit easier, but they come at the cost of making other choices in your army. Well, and Brendan, this was why you know when when I reacted at first, like yeah, it's crazy, but this is the balance part of this. You know, you have to make a, a an honest, really tough choice when you think about it. Yep. You know, you give up feeding frenzy, or you have a unit of eight horrors come back on the board. Oh, that is a tough choice because you got the rest of your army. And you got to think about the whole game. As cool as it is that you can bring these guys back and as powerful as that is, there's still a game to play. <laughs> yeah. Right? right? And, and certainly, you know, yes, you've had that currency spend, but that also means that you're positioning your courtier in a place to support that unit when it comes back on the board. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe you've planned for that and, and it works, or, you know, maybe you've got the ability to teleport somewhere and, and yeah, that works. But, you know, certainly when we talk about these Cordier War Scrolls, getting six points is not, <sighs> is not easy. No. For, for Abhorrent, it's not, I don't think it's too hard. A lot of them have the ability to cast spells. Their mm-hmm. fighting prowess is, is certainly not bad. They're not very durable, but, you know, you're, you're not going to throw them in, you know, solo or willy-nilly. <laughs> I, I wouldn't believe. <laughs> right. But... You know, like it's it's something that you do still have to to build up, or it's the person that you're leaving in the charnel throne, or it's the person that you're using to use your heroic action. Like you are, you're making choices that come at a cost of other things. Right. And that you know, that's something we talk about a lot on these battle tome review shows. Is when you're forced to make choices, that's where that's where books really shine as being mm-hmm. balanced and interesting. When yes. you get to take everything you want yes, at no penalty is where I start to get real, real frustrated. Yes, with, absolutely. Uh, with the writers. Absolutely. Those are the battle traits themselves, Dan, but the yeah. next thing that the armies get are the courts of delusion. Yeah. yeah. And so cool. you pick these when you show up to the table, you know, which, which one you're going to use on a per game basis. And, and that's pretty neat. I think there's certainly two, maybe three that stand out above above the rest of them mm-hmm. but Dan would you would you like to get us started you know what yeah, sure. uh, Sir, what sure. grand illusion would you like to talk about well yeah and in the first battle round after you receive your starting command points before the start of the first turn you pick one of these this one obviously is situational the royal hunt but add one to wound rolls for attacks made by friendly flesh eater courts units that target a, a monster great you know and here again if you know you see a giant's army across from you Mm-hmm. Well, it's got monsters. It's all it's got. Yeah, it's this, all it has. this would be a really good one to start the game with, right? <laughs> Great, you know. But if if they're playing somebody and there's it's not a dragon army or a, a giant's army, you pick something else. But that's one of the beauties of these is that you know we talk we use the word situational all the time. Well, these are great because <laughs> you pick the situation where. The one you pick is strong is for what you see across from the board. And that's so tactically strong uh, to have that option. So the next one is Crusading Army. Add one to run and charge rolls for friendly fresh eater court units. Great. That's always awesome. That, uh, that one is incredible. Yeah. And the fact that you've got a few units that can run and charge, you've got ways to make units run and charge. Yeah. Very, very nice. Well, I think the I think the biggest thing for that is is in the longevity of the game. Mm-hmm. As you're returning units back, you're returning them nine inches away. 
hey, an eight to charge versus a nine to charge is is meaningful. Yep. Defenders of the Realm, add one to save rolls for friendly fists to your court units while they are contesting an objective that you control. Okay, fair. You got a lot of units here that have five Very up. Very squishy. You know, five up. Some have four up, but not many. So mostly five up saves. You go to four up. That's meaningful. Yeah. Um, how about- it's basically a free all-out defense for your whole army. It means that you can be more aggressive in some of the decisions that you're going to make mm-hmm. you can spread you can put your mystic shield somewhere you can all have defense somewhere else and now you're plus two to save right you know you're <laughs> effectively ignoring rend one you can finest hour your hero and yeah. you can be a little bit tougher than you would expect the army to to be yes and it's it's helpful it's impactful so why did you talk about the last two yeah, so the last two, certainly the next one, the Grand Tournament, add one to hit rolls for attacks made by friendly Flesh Eater Court's heroes that are not a general if they made a charge move in the same turn. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you guys. You're probably not going to see this one a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then, uh, then the last one is Feast Day. Feeding Frenzy ability applies to Flesh Eater Court's units that while they're wholly within 12 inches of any heroes that have four more noble deed points instead of six noble deed points. That's meaningful. It is. Yes. That that is that is useful and meaningful. I I don't know that I like it more than Crusading Army or Defenders of the Realm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But if you're expecting to churn through your points, or if you really struggle to, you know, to get to six. It's not a bad one, but I I think oftentimes I would much rather have the the other things going. And part of that is because I really like Usheron so much. Oh yeah, yeah. He he do, he doesn't make feeding frenzy as big of a mountain to climb. No. And by the way, you can get two of these delusions if you take a certain guy. Yeah. yeah. yeah if you take a certain <laughs> character, and one of them changes every turn if you want it to. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it's so amazing in terms of looking at what's across the table from you like, ooh, okay, I'm going to take this thing out of the pot. Use yeah. this, right? So next we have delusions of grandeur. They're basically just heroic actions. We got two special ones here. And the first one is rousing oration. Pick one friendly flesh eater quartz hero. Roll a dice for each other friendly flesh eater quartz hero wholly within 12. For every five up, give one noble deed point to that hero. Now you said you would use this, but it wasn't, it was okay. Yeah, so you're going to see this used a ton. And you're basically going to see it used turn battle round one constantly because your army is going to be relatively bunched up you know that's when you're going to be getting to roll the most dice you know you're going to hope to hit maybe three or four and and you go from there Mm -hmm. you're still looking for five ups though and sometimes you're not going to roll enough of them (laughs) yeah and you're you're going to roll for six units that are nearby and you're going to roll a five and you're like cool yep Yep. but sometimes you're going to roll six dice you're going to get four of them you know, all right. Yeah, you now, might spike. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now we're in business. Sure. You know, like it, you're going to see this a ton. It's really good. <laughs> it's it's one of the things that makes the army go. Certainly for the courtier models, we're yeah. not exposing them to unnecessary combats if you don't have to. Sure. And then the other one is scent of blood. Pick one friendly flesh eater quartz hero and roll a dice on a three up. You can make a d6 inch move with that hero, but it must finish that move more than three inches from all enemy units. And closer to an enemy unit that has any wounds allocated to it. Situational. And here's a question I have. So an enemy unit that has any wounds. What if you have an opponent that has three enemy units that don't have any wounds allocated to them? Can you do this? 
Nope. He can't do this, right? The, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's okay. Yeah. Then last up, we have two monstrous rampages. Mm-hmm. When you carry a monstrous rampage with the Royal Terrorgeist or Royal Zombie Dragon, you can pick one of the following below. So the first one is Delectable Appetizers. Pick one enemy unit that has a wounds characteristic of two or less. Within three inches of this unit, roll a dice. On a three up, that enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Then for each mortal wound that was caused to that enemy unit and not negated, this unit heals one wound. So basically a you know a slightly different version of Stomp. That allows you to heal. Maybe. Yep. yep. Yeah. That's what it is. Then we have Blood Curdling Shriek. Pick one enemy unit within three inches of this unit. Roll a die on a three up. Subtract two from bravery of that unit until the end of the turn. I don't know. I think when you look at all the monstrous rampages you have available, I don't know that this one is incredibly situational, I suppose. you know. I mean, it, it helps you with Battle Shock, but you're also a, a big, stupid monster. So, <laughs> it's uh, true. <laughs> killing, killing models is generally the best way of being successful and having units fail Battle Shock tests. Of course. Yeah, right. So, you know... <laughs> Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Okay, man, we're moving over to heroes now. I'll take the first one because there's nothing to talk about here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Nagash is in this book. If you're a Flesh Eater Chords player, you can take Nagash in your army. No penalty or anything. He's part of the battle tome, so just throw one in there for 900 and some points. All good. He's exactly what he has been previously. There's no significant changes here. He's Nagash, right? Yep. And so, cool. It's fine. All right, but there's this other guy, this big giant block of plastic. Yes. And he is simply amazing it, to me um, as far as a new character. He's very beefy. Oh, man. So, so cool. So he's on, at least visually, he's, it looks like he's on the same base size as the Terrorgeist and Zombie Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, he's big. Yeah. You've got Ushran, the Mortark of Delusion, 16 wounds, 10-inch move, 4-up save, bravery 10. He clocks in at 460 points, so he is not cheap. And this is probably the fightiest Mortark we have ever seen. Yes. <laughs> he is keyword locked to Howlmorn. Now, that doesn't mean you can't take him in, in other armies, but he wouldn't gain the benefits of, of those. Right. In combat, Ushran has two weapons, the Scepter of the Carrion King, three-inch range, three attacks, threes by twos, Ren two, damage D3 plus three, <laughs> and the Monstrous Claws and Fangs, two-inch range, ten attacks down to four, threes to hit, threes to wound, Ren one, damage two, yep. and remember, he can also be affected by feeding, feeding Frenzy, so that can be four and eleven attacks. <laughs> okay. He is a two-caster, two-unbinder as a wizard. He is a warmaster. Which is nice. He has a rule, Epicenter of Delusion, if this unit is part of a Flesh Eater Quartz army, which you know, I don't know why you'd take him somewhere else. You can pick one Delusion from the Quartz of Delusion battle trait. Until your next hero phase, that Delusion applies to friendly Flesh Eater Quartz units while they are wholly within the Epicenter of Delusion range, shown on the unit's damage table. It starts at 30, goes down to 12 inches. In addition to the Delusion you picked before the start of the first turn. What? Excuse me, wait a minute. Wait, would you read that last part again, Brendan, please? Yeah, in addition to the delusion you picked before the start of the first turn. Okay, hello. It's like, oh my god, man, you could have two of those things running. That's so good. Holy Yes, so Oof. technically as written, you can pick the same 
delusion twice as written yeah yeah, as written i don't expect that to be something that survives because that seems silly but Mm -hmm. adding plus adding plus two to your saves (laughs) or plus two to your runs and charges would be would be something now here's the other thing with this so you look at this epicenter thing right and so you have to be within range of this number and it's 30 inches dude that's like the whole table Literally, that's almost the whole table. And, Brendan, here's the bonus. Even if he's down to, he's taken eight or nine wounds, you've still got a 48-inch bubble. Yep. <laughs> it's nuts. Like, it's it's almost still the whole table. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, if so, thinking about this model, it's roughly five inches across, 130 oh. millimeters. Cool. So, it's just, you know, it's slightly just above five inches. Yeah. And... The table is 60 inches long, so your your coverage is a 65-inch diameter circle. So when he's standing in the middle of the board, I believe only the corners are just out of reach. Yes. Um, which is fine. Oh, God. It's so very cool. It, it is, it's very good. You do have to be careful, though, in terms of which delusion you pick to affect the table versus sure. which one you pick to affect him, because it is possible yes. to... Yes. to set up a unit out of range mm-hmm. and and not get a buff. It, it's hard. It's not impossible. Sure. So okay. next up is the Carrion King. While this unit has six noble deed points, friendly friendly Flesh Eater Quartz units that are affected by the Feeding Frenzy battle trait, while they're holy within 24 inches, this is instead of 12. So <laughs> as I read that, though, that doesn't impact the the delusion where if you're at four, it's it pops off. So like, this is a complicated difference in language. So this War Scroll is saying when you have six, Feeding Frenzy is wholly within 24. Mm-hmm. The the battle trait says that you are affected by Feeding Frenzy feast day. You're affected by Feeding Frenzy when you're at four. But this this rule doesn't pop off unless you have six. Mm-hmm. So yep. that is a item I would suggest is going to be addressed at FAQ point, you know, to so. explain how it works or if they meant it to work the other way to change whatever words are that go off for it. So okay. next up is the shroud, the shroud cage fragment. This is a pretty cool rule. Mm-hmm. So at the start of the combat phase, subtract one from bravery characteristics of each enemy unit within three inches of this unit until the end of the battle. This stacks. <laughs> So if you do manage to survive rounds of combat with Usheron, he's going to continue to reduce your bravery yes. as you as you stand next to him. Mm-hmm. That is super cool. Then roll 2d6 for each enemy unit within one inches of this unit, so a smaller range. Mm-hmm. If the result is higher than the bravery characters of that unit, the strike last effect applies to that unit until the end of the phase. So Usheron knocks your bravery down and says, cool, it's 2d6 time. You know, if I beat your bravery at this lower count, you fight last. Now, it's going to be hard to trigger against, you know, some bravery 10 units, but I played Vince's Skaven, and they <laughs> are, like, bravery 5 to start. Sure. Cool, you're bravery 4. <laughs> well, here, Brendan, is where that blood-curdling shir- shriek monstrous rampage would come in. Man, so now they're going to be at minus 3 if he gets that off. Yeah. Ooh, even against units that have, like, 7 or 8 bravery, they're down to, what, 4 or 5, and you're rolling 2d6? Wow. You're always... The reducing bravery by 1 always triggers. Right. As long as you're within 3 inches of him at the start of the combat phase, yours, mine, anyone else's, boom, not going to point a bravery off. Yep, yep. But yeah. 
it, it stacks. It you know continue, like granted, I don't know a lot of things that survive the you know certainly that you're going to put Ushron into. You're not going to throw him into Kragnos and be like, oh god, no. I, I hope oh, everything no. works. No, no. But most things that you're going to throw him into aren't aren't going to hold up to that fight. He's going to get up to six feeding frenzy points. It's it, it's going to be gross. Pick pick your target, right? Pick yeah. your target. So and, Ushran has the King's Chalice. <laughs> gives him a five-up ward. In addition, sweet. in your hero phase, you can heal up to 2d3 wounds allocated to this unit. Ah, oh, man. Sweetness. He may not get, what is it, 2d6 for Ilarial. He may not get that when she, you know, returned, but she, he has a five-up ward, and he still gets 2d3 back. So yep. pretty darn good for 200 less points or 300 less points. <laughs> like, yeah, baby. It's crazy. Now, now his spell, though, oh, yeah. needs some things to be desired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Glimpse of Delusion, cool name, casting value of 7, kind of high, better do something cool. Range of 18, fine. If successfully cast, pick one enemy model within range invisible to the caster, then pick one melee weapon that enemy model is armed with, and pick one other enemy unit within range of that weapon, that enemy model immediately makes combat attacks with that weapon targeting that other enemy unit. That's pretty niche. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like, there are going to be situations where, you know, that's that's quite good, and, you know, it's going to be it's gonna be cool to pull off. Like, you know, Vince and I were talking about two giants standing next to each other in, uh-huh. in broad stomp, and you can use them to beat each other up, but... Yeah. I don't know that that's what you're going to be spending your casting on a lot sure. of times. Yep. And we will be talking about the spell lore, which I have some commentary on that. So, <laughs> I, I think there's two good ones in there. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. So, Ushran, awesome. Great. Yeah, very cool. Points. 460 points, yeah, but he does a lot for this army. A ton. He, a ton, a ton, huge, a ton. Huge. So now we come to the Aberrant Ghoul King on Royal Terrorgeist. All right. So the move is 14 down to 8, 16 wounds, 4 up safe, 10 bravery. We have the Death Shriek, which has 1 of attack. Special rule, do not use the attack sequence for attacks made. Instead, roll the dice and add the Death Shriek value on the table, which goes from 6 to 3. If the total is higher when you roll the dice than the target's bravery, the target suffers the number of mortal wounds equal to the difference between bravery characteristic and the total. Uh, not terrible. Then we have Gory Talons and Fangs. One inch range, four attacks, three by threes, minus one, two damage. The Fang Maw. Three inch range, three attacks, four by threes, minus two, D6. And then the Talons, two attacks, seven down to four, or sorry, two inch range, seven down to four attacks, four by threes, minus one, two damage. Is a wizard, one by one wizard, can fly, of course. And we have Gaping Maw. If the attack Unmodified hit roll for an attack made with this unit's Fang Maw is six. Six mortal wounds. Coolio, that hasn't changed. Nope. Infested, if you blow it up, you suffer D3 mortal wounds if you're within three inches. Royal Blood, in your hero phase, you heal D3 because there's a vampire up there. And Ferocious Hunger is the spell for this in War Scroll and has a casting value of six, range 12. If successful, pick one friendly Royal Terror Geist wholly within range. You can reroll hit rolls for attacks made with that unit's Fang Maw until your next hero phase. Yep, so that used to be a mount trait, which you've obviously lost and is now a spell. That's kind of a bummer, but you know, also I get it. That was the mount trait that literally everyone took. <laughs> uh, auto, auto take. 
<laughs> so you know, making making it a spell, you know, certainly forces some some more interesting choices to be made on what your what your mount traits are going to be. Sure. Then we have the abhorrent ghoul king on royal zombie dragon, fourteen inch move down to eight, four up save, bravery ten, sixteen wounds, has pestilential breath, twelve inch range, d six attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage three. The guy on top is the same as the one on the Ghoul King. He has the Snapping Maw, 3-inch range, 3 attacks, 4s by 3s, Ren 3, damage 3. And then the Sword-like Claws, 2-inch range, 7 attacks down to 4, 4s by 3s, Ren 1, damage 2. Mm-hmm. One cast, one unbind Wizard, Royal Blood, same as the other one. Draconic Terror, enemy units cannot receive the Inspiring Presence command while they're within 3 inches of any friendly units with this ability. Cool. Pretty good. Nice. Cert- that certainly pairs well with the minus one or uh, the minus two bravery scream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, certainly guarantees some models to run that way. Then his spell, Monstrous Hunger, casting value of a six, a range of eighteen inches. If successfully cast, pick a friendly flesh eater quartz monster, holy within range. They are filled with monstrous hunger until your next hero phase. A unit filled with monstrous hunger can run and still charge later in the same turn. Okay. So these are both abhorrents. So these are units that would be used to return slain units. And right. obviously the mounts don't count for purposes of gaining those points. But you know, as you're, as you're thinking about what units are used and how they're used, these are the units that you use for return of units to the battlefield. Yes. We're going to be talking about a couple more of them here. Dan, next up we've got a new named character. <laughs> this guy is so freaking awesome. I mean, everybody talks about the intestine hat. I get that. That's that's cool. The intestine wig, fine. It's cool. Grand Justice Gourmet. Gourmet. Really? Okay. So, six inch move, six wounds, four up, save uh, ten bravery. He is a vampire, he, so he gets the D3 healing every hero phase. In your hero phase. Mm-hmm. Pronounced Judgment. And this one is pretty freaking cool, man. So this is his special ability. In your hero fist, pick one of the following judgments to pronounce. The same unit cannot be affected by more than one judgment at the same time. So functionally, Brendan, these are basically three-up answer prayers is what these are when you think about it. They're not prayers, so you wouldn't... They're not, but they function like, in in other words, they all take a three-up to go off. Exactly, Um, yes. So in, in that way, yes, they are not prayers. And he is an aberrant. He is not a priest or anything else like that. Okay, so the first one, very cool. Petty transgression. Pick one enemy unit that is visible to this unit and roll the dice. No range. No range. This is what's so cool about this guy. He's visible. There's no ranges. On the three up, add one to wound rolls for attacks made by friendly flesh eater courts that target that unit until the end of the turn. Cool. Awesome. Man. Got... Ah. Buying off on that one. Dishonorable conduct in battle. Pick one enemy unit that's visible to the unit. More than three inches from all friendly units. Roll a dice on a three up. Friendly fresh year courts units can charge even if they ran earlier in the turn as long as they finish the charge move within half an inch of the enemy unit you picked. Cool. Yep. Loving it. Grievous insult to the court. Pick one enemy unit that is visible to this unit and within three inches of a friendly aberrant. Roll a dice on a three up. Add one to hit rolls for attacks made by friendly flesh eater quartz units that target that enemy unit until the end of the turn. So we've, we've got one that gives plus one to wound, one that gives plus one to hit. Coolio. And then regicide. Pick one enemy unit that is visible to this unit and has slain a friendly aberrant unit. 
Roll a dice on a three up until the end of the turn. Add one to damage characteristics of model, of weapons used by friendly flesh shooter courts for attacks that target that unit. Yeah. Okay. That, that one's pretty silly. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it posited that you know maybe you should take a cheap abhorrent, chuck it into the enemy unit, and and try and get, <laughs> get this off early. One. Yeah. Sure. It's like, oh, I, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> I want my heroes to have some meaning other than just give me a, a plus one to damage once, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, you know, yeah. maybe there's a time and place where that makes sense. Right. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't build my army no, around, around that. that. I think this is great, again, just because of the flexibility that he gives you. And yep. the options are all meaningful, which, again, we don't always get that. When we have things like this, it's a three up. I get it. Fine. But so are priests. <laughs> priests are usually three ups or four ups. So, yeah, cool. Yeah. This guy is also keyword locked, which is yep. important to Colomorn. Yep. Yeah, to make to make note of. So like he wouldn't get the benefits for being in any of the other sub factions. Mm hmm. Which you know is certainly is important if you're building a non-Holomorn list because I'll, I'll tell you, man, points run out fast when you're yes. building these armies. I'll bet they they run out quick. So next up is uh, another new unit, the Abhorrent Gore Warden. Yeah, models. It's a pretty very cool. super cool model. Pretty cool set of rules too. So seven move, tw- uh, sorry, twelve inch move, seven wounds, four up save, bravery ten. Gory Talons, one in range, five attacks, threes and threes, run one damage two. You know the standard traditional. <laughs> combat profile yep flies one cast one bind wizard heals d3 in your hero phase has the rule royal hunting party instead of setting up this unit on the battlefield you can place it to one side and say that it is circling in the skies as a reserve unit if you do so when you would set up a friendly crypt players or morbag knights unit during deployment that unit can join the unit circling in the skies as a reserve unit a maximum of one unit can join this unit at the end of your movement phase you can set up this unit more than nine from all enemy units if you do so, set up the unit that joined this unit, holy if the nine is this unit, more than nine inches from all other enemy units. Ugh. He also has the spell Winds of Shaish, casting value of six and range of nine. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Flesh Eater Quartz unit that can fly and is wholly within range and visible to the caster. Remove this unit and the unit you picked from the battlefield and set it up again, <laughs> more than nine from all enemy units and holy within nine of each other. Neither unit can move in the following movement phase. Mm. Okay. It's pretty good. Also, making this guy a general means that your Morbeg Knights can become battle line. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly useful. And for those who think, you know, well, you can only set them up nine inches from enemy units, that's kind of, okay, you still got to make a nine-inch charge. But wait, there's more. <laughs> there's more, Brendan. There's more. <laughs> because this next guy can fix your problem. So this yeah. is he can't he can't fix the gore warden teleporting, but he can fix the gore warden <laughs> dropping down from the sky. Yes, yes. This is the abhorrent arch, abhorrent arch regent. He's six inch move, seven wounds, four up save, ten bravery. He has gory fangs and talons. Of course, he does. Just like everybody else, same profile. He is a two by two wizard, which is kind of cool for his cost. Very very much this, of a bargain. This is the only auto include unit in your army. Yes. <laughs> your your list starts with at least one of these, maybe yeah. two, yes, and and then you go from there. Yep, and he heals D three because he's a vampire. Countless servants at the start of your hero phase, you can return up to three slain models to one friendly serfs unit that is within eighteen inches of this unit, or you can return one slain model 
to one friendly knights unit that was in 18. And you don't have, there's, there's no points here. There's no yep. noble deeds, nothing. You just return a model, which is so cool. And then we have Carrying Call, which is the Gore Warden Deep Strike fix here. Uh, it's the Gore Warden Deep Strike fix. It's the oh. bring a unit from a Summon Loyal Subject fix. Sure, yep. Like, uh, this, Anywhere. this spell is, it's 150 points for a two-cast, two-unbind <laughs> that is healing itself and also returning models to units at the start yep. of the hero phase, so kind of bypassing the need for you know, courtiers. Mm-hmm. And also it has a spell that, Dan, what does it do? Well, it, it's crazy. It's called Carrying Call. It's a spell that has a casting value of six. It's successfully cast in the following movement phase. Friendly Flesh Eater Quartz units that are set up at the end of the movement phase can immediately move D6. So, oh, wow. So my Gore Warden drops a unit of knights or crit flayers. And they're nine inches away from the enemy. Wait, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I just cast a spell, didn't I? Yep. And now I can move them D6 inches towards their target. It's like, wow. Now, you can roll a one. You roll a two. On average, you're going to roll a three. But holy mutt, that is so good. Well, but think about think about even if you do roll one, right? Yeah. If you're if you're playing Crusading Arm and you're getting plus one to run, plus right. one to charge, yes. you're you're going you're going from a needing a nine to a seven to a seven, and you can and get a reroll with the command point. Yep, you get a reroll. There's you know there's a pretty good artifact that we'll talk about in a little bit. Yep, that can certainly help make that more reliable as well. This unit, frankly, is too cheap. Um, <laughs> yeah. For, for what it does. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I mean, it, it, oh, it's yeah. so good. Yes. It's, yes. From, it's from my perspective, and, and auto-include, you, you need at least one of these in your list mm-hmm. so. and is definitely one of the starting points of, hey, how do I build a, a Flesh Eater Quartz list to go buy an Arch Regent, <laughs> step one. There you go. Step two, buy your battle tome. Oh, and then buy another art treatment. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. cool. Because you, you can use that, right, obviously, to bring more knights back or more serfs back. That's not sure. limited to, sure. you know, one one of these guys doing it. Mm-mm. You know, you can, you can use it to bring six serfs back in the hero phase to a unit, and it's at the start, so you can rally them back first, yeah. use the bulk of dice, and then, mm-hmm. and then bring back whatever you don't rally. Yep. That's... It's obviously pretty, pretty, pretty good. good. Next up is the Abhorrent Ghoul King. Yeah. The Abhorrent Ghoul King is the little brother. Six-inch move, six wounds, four-up save, bravery ten. Gory Talons and Fangs are the same. He's a one-cast, one-unbind wizard. Has the royal blood, which is the same. Has a rule called Code of Honor. So he's kind of an assassin unit against heroes. At the start of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy hero within one inch of this unit and say that it will duel that enemy hero. If you do so, add one to the damage characters of this unit's melee weapons until the start of that phase, but it can only target that enemy hero, so that bumps you up to damage three. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a funny combination here where you can give him flaming weapon, bump up to damage four, and then the Grand Justice Gourmand can potentially have targeted a unit and your damage five. Uh, <laughs> Sweet. Oh he's my God. got a War Scroll spell called Unnatural Speed. 
Casting value of a six, if successfully cast, this unit can immediately attempt a charge, and you can roll 3d6 for the charge. If the charge is successful, the strike first effect applies to this unit in the following combat phase. So you can you can use this to uh, special insert yourself into fighting that hero with the strikes first. Now, if you do that, you're not going to be able to be damage five, but you are likely to be damage three, and maybe maybe damage four, mm-hmm. you know, if, if they've killed an abhorrent before that very moment okay um he's he's fine i'd rather take you know the 30 points to field a an arch regent but you know if you're if you're struggling for points there he's he's fine absolutely now let's talk about the cardinal coolio coolio yeah first death priest oh so good so fun great model so the abhorrent cardinal six inch move five wounds five up save ten bravery he has one inch range because his crozier. So I guess that's like a, a crozius in 40k. I suppose it's kind of the same thing. One inch range, three attacks, three by fours, minus one d3. And that doesn't matter really. He's a, a vampire <laughs> and so he heals d3. But his special deuter prayer is on an answer value of three in a range of 18, which is good. If answered, pick one enemy unit within range, invisible to cast, or until your next hero phase. Roll a dice each time that enemy unit receives a command. Whoa. On a four-up, that command has no effect. Holy mutt. Pretty good. Yes. <laughs> and on top of that, you have a whole prayer lore in, in oh, this yeah. book. Right. And they're pretty good. He's only 120 points. Like, yes. You know, that, talk about disrupting. And, yeah. like, you, you still have access to Curse and all of the mm-hmm. all the base ones. I think you're actually going to find it pretty difficult to pick what prayers you want to execute and when because mm-hmm. you're going to have access to so many good choices that you're, as a player, you're really going to need to decide what it is that, that this unit does mm-hmm. and and how it's going to do it. So sure. certainly a good problem to have. But again, another choice that you have to make. Thus ends the line of Abhorrence. And next up is we're going to talk about Cordiers. And these are the ones that have no built-in prayers, no built-in spells. The only way for them to get noble deeds is through their combat profile. Which <laughs> you can decide how good or bad they are. Uh, or using the command bill or the heroic action to to get points so right first one up is the marrow scroll herald six inch move five up save bravery 10 five wounds has the bone scythe two inch range five attacks threes by threes run one damage two and he has the king's entreaty so at the end of the charge phase you can pick one enemy unit from three this unit and that unit will offer it an infected bone if you do so your opponent must choose whether to accept or refuse if they refuse, the first strike effect applies to friendly flesh eater quartz units within three inches of this unit until the end of the following combat phase. Cool. If it accepts, it becomes infected. Now roll 2d6 before an infected issues receives a command, attempts to cast a spell or prayer, chance a prayer, make the roll before the action is carried out. If the roll is greater than the unit's bravery characteristic, that unit cannot perform the action in that phase. And once it's infected, Brendan, isn't it infected for the rest of the battle? Yes. Okay. The rest of the battle. Yep. yep. And then the Marrow Scroll Herald is not visible to enemy models while it's within six inches of five or more friendly Flesh Eater Quartz models. Mm. So wow. that's pretty good. That makes it very tempting to make this model the general, right? Because you can't, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter how close you are. As long as this model is within, 
you know, six inches of five or more models, you you can't see it. You can't target it. You know, you can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Cordiers have a very, very good command trait. You know, and as we've talked about, Cordiers <laughs> are squishy. Now, we can, the one other thing, I think you mentioned it earlier, to give these guys a little more something, we could give them an arcane tome or we can give them an artifact that will allow them to be a priest. So they yep. could be a wizard or a priest to get some more points, possibly. Okay. Yep. If you want to use an artifact to do that, yes. Okay. Exactly, yes. All right. This next guy is the Royal Decapitator, and he has an appropriately sized rusty blade. That's pretty cool. Six-inch move, five wounds, five up save, ten bravery. Headman's axe, one-inch range, three attacks, four by threes, minus two, but three damage. In the combat phase after this unit has fought for the first time, you can pick one friendly surf's unit that has not yet fought and is wholly within... Uh, or is within three inches of an enemy unit and wholly within nine of this unit, it can immediately fight. Okay, we've seen that many times. Uh, many different heroes. Off with their head. Now, this is the Corgus Call thing right yeah. here. That's exactly what this is. It's almost the same rule. At the end of the combat phase, if any wounds caused by the unit's headsman's axe in that phase were allocated to an enemy hero, and that enemy hero has not been slayed on a roll of five up, the hero is gone. So yeah, this Dead. this is a ghoul version of Corgus Call. Okay, I, I buy that. Coolio. But think about that profile. Three attacks. Mm-hmm. You can go up to four with Feeding Frenzy. Sure. Fours and threes. Ren two, damage three. Mm-hmm. That is not a lot of damage to get deed points off of. No. No, it not is not. Not a lot. No. But it might be fun to go hunt a hero or something just to do it, you know? Sure. Just yes. to have him in your list to do fun stuff. Now, Brendan... <laughs> This next guy, the Crypt Gas Courier, you, you gotta so, explain to me what. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like. Yeah, so so very rarely do we come in and say this unit is is useless, but I am hard pressed to figure out what role this particular model plays because it's the exact same points as the Decapitator, the exact mm-hmm. same. Mm-hmm. Right, we just talked about him. Right, he's the same number of points. He has one fewer wound. He's the same save. He's the same move. Cool. One inch range, five attacks, fours by threes. Cool, cool, cool. Rend one, damage D3. Mm. Okay? And his special rule is the same as, uh, as the decapitator <laughs> in terms of getting a unit to fight a second time. I, I truly don't know why you would run this this unit, this model, <clears throat> and not the decapitator. Sure, I, I don't know because they're the same points. Yes. If the Chris, if the Crypt Gas was cheaper, fine. Make them eighty like, points or something. Yeah, but yeah, it, like, you know, because that was that's one of the things when the Bone Reaper book first came out is all of the, all of the Mortisons were priced, you know, basically the same, and you're left with the fighting Mortison, and you're yeah. like. I I don't know the circumstances that you take this because like there's not a point saving mechanic that you know you'd you'd use to include this yes. like the he doesn't make a unit battle line if you take him as your general I I don't know I'm yeah. really sorry I <laughs> the only reason I can figure out he's still here is that they felt sorry for him because he was in the previous book you know like oh we, let's bring him along because he's always been there like, otherwise no. <laughs> Sure. 
fine, I guess. Yeah. But this no. this would be a candidate that I would expect to see immediately drop 10 points below the decapitator mm-hmm. for us to be able to say, yes, the role he serves is he is cheaper. Sure. Okay. The next guy, pretty cool, actually, is the Vorgolf yeah. Courtier. Ooh. 10-inch move. 10 inches, dude. Eight wounds. Four up save. 10 bravery. He has immense claws, two-inch range, five attacks, three by threes, minus one, two damage. And then those fangs are two-inch range, one attack, three by twos, minus two, three damage. He is the king's champion. And at the start of the combat phase, you can say that this unit will use this ability if you do so. In that phase, you can add two. To, oh, my gosh. That's great. So, so seven and three. <laughs> yes. To the attack characteristic of this unit's melee weapons, but it can only target units that have wounds characteristics of one or two which is fine because you want to kill models with this guy it's okay bounding strikes it can pass across terrain as though it can fly sure okay and then victory feast at the end of the combat phase if any enemy models were slain by wounds caused by this unit's attacks in that phase you can heal up the d6 wounds allocated to this unit in addition at the end of the combat phase this unit can immediately retreat 10 inches dude wow that that is really good, Brendan. Talk about getting somebody up to six noble deed points quick. Ooh, yeah, and, that looks and juicy. When under, when under feeding frenzy, feeding frenzy, your base six and two, which is great. Right, you can go up to eight and four. You know, if you're attacking mm-hmm. one or two wound things, like it's really tempting to make this your general mm. because when we we keep alluding to it, when we get to command traits, there's there's one that make there's a reason that you want to take some courtier generals. <laughs> <laughs> this is really tempting. At 165, you know yep. he fits in. He fits into army rosters kind of weird because that's right about mm. the points of your abhorrence. But this is a courtier that you can rely on to get damage out of, and I think that's the role: is you you fill them up on points, and you just let the things around you, you know, try and get more attacks. If your opponent's smart, you know they'll try and kill it. But you know, if you're smart, you're putting it into combats where you're going to maximize the amount of damage you can do you're going to maximize the amount of tax you're going to put into it and and use it to fill up retreat position mm-hmm. it somewhere where you know if a unit is going to die that you're going to be able to get over to it to refill it easily and quickly okay that that i imagine is the role for for this particular courtier because okay before its role was being able to fill up both serfs and knights but now that all courtiers can do that i think this is the courtier that you rely on if you're going to bring it to to be at six, spend six every movement phase, get six again, yep. just keep that vicious cycle going. Again, we're assuming that there are targets available <laughs> Yes, that haven't been crushed, right? So how about the next one, which is the Crypt Flare Courtier, essentially? Yeah, so six wounds, 12-inch move, four-up save, bravery 10, breath attack, 10-inch range, four attacks, fours by threes, ren two, damage d3, which is, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And then the skewering talons, two inch range, five attacks, fours by threes, rend one, damage two. So a courtier that certainly with its combat profile, you're gonna do some damage. You're gonna be able to, you know, pick some stuff up. That's fine. This unit flies, and then it also has the mind shattering cacophony. If any models are slain by wounds caused by this unit's faded breath until the end of the phase, add one to the damage characteristics of missile weapons used by friendly crypt players units that are holier than nine inches. This unit. 
same Crypt Flayers units cannot benefit from this ability more than once per phase. So it doesn't mean you can take six Infernal Courtiers, kill six models, take, you know, a unit of nine Flayers, and give them, you know, seven damage on their shooting attack. <laughs> sure. Okay. You can't do that. Uh, but it, do- it does bump them up to damage, too, which is pretty good. Yep. Yes. That is not an ability I'd rely on. It's four attacks, right? Yeah. So four is to hit, so you're likely to hit with two. Mm-hmm. Wounding on threes, so you're going to get one and change out of it. Run mm. two, damage d3. It's it's not a guarantee. Yeah. And uh, it's target dependent again, you know? Right. Yeah. If you have, if you have, like, if your opponent is playing giants, cool. Uh, if you. If you kill the giants and you're about to, you know, shoot a bunch of damage to shooting attacks at another giant, I mean that player's in for a very rough afternoon. Sure. But you know, that all of that has to be in position to be able to do those things. Like this is cool, it's interesting. It's it's something when it goes off, you're gonna like you're gonna be like, wow, this was like this is really cool and I, you know, I haven't like it's very conceivable that you're gonna get to round five and be like, I haven't like this hasn't triggered yet. <laughs> um, okay. I'm hoping I'm hoping that it'll go, and like it'll feel really cool, you know, if you build around flares and this to to get it to pop off. But I think where flares are pointed in this book, th- those aren't going to be the things you're going to build around right away. Okay. Um, I I think I think there are other units that are going to be your focus. Okay. All right. So we have one more hero I think here with a. Mm-hmm. This is the horror courtier, the crypt haunter courtier. Seven-inch move, still pretty fast. Six wounds, four-up save, ten bravery. Two-inch range, five attacks, four by threes, minus two and three damage. Wow, that's really solid profile. And there's obviously some kind of vampiric blood here because this individual can heal up to D3 wounds allocated uh, to that unit. So cool, that's great, with six wounds. That's nice. And then Knightly Retinue. In the combat phase, after this unit is fought for the first time, you can pick one friendly Crypt Horrors unit that is not yet fought in that phase within three inches, wholly within nine, within three inches of an enemy, wholly within nine of this unit, can fight immediately. Cool. So this is great. So you look at how much damage the Haunter can do, mm. which which is a lot. The, um, now you got to get past the fours to hit, right? That's the, that's the first most important bit. Mm-hmm. But the Haunter can potentially get itself to... Six, you know, triggering a a feeding frenzy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then you pick the then you pick the horrors to fight that are now in a bubble of feeding frenzy that they weren't in before. And when we go to talk about how good horrors are, giving them an extra attack is 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 pretty excellent. It's pretty frightening, um, yeah. And it's a courtier that heals. This is my favorite. Cordier mm. to include because I really like nine bricks of horrors. Yes, now that yeah. means that they have to be battle lines, so you have to play in Hollowmorn. But as we talk about Hollowmorn, Hollowmorn's pretty, 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 pretty good. Yeah. Or yeah. two units of six in in a non Hollowmorn army okay. is, is also pretty, pretty reliable. So yeah, so those are our heroes, and you know, remember keep in the back of your head, everybody, that. The courtiers are the ones that have to bring models back. I think is I think we've demonstrated in certainly their war scroll that there is something to be desired in terms of their individual ability to get those noble deed points that are going to be used for the resurrection. The abhorrents are going to get their points. That's yes. 
that's pretty straightforward. Sure. But, you know, certainly what I saw in practice, now there are, again, ways around it. We're going to talk about these as we get to artifacts and traits. And, and even when we get to the Charnel Throne, mm-hmm. there, there are ways to support this. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. It's time for some enhancements, man. Let's make this army better. So where do you want to start? I'm going to run through a, a theme of focusing on the Gristlegore stuff. Okay. So I'm going sure. to, for command traits, I'm going to, for the Abhorrent, you can take the Master of the Menagerie. When using the Summon Loyal Subjects Battle Trait, you can pick one friendly Flesh Eater Quartz monster that is not a hero that has been destroyed. Instead of a unit of serfs or knights, set up a replacement unit as described in the battle trait. So wholly within six inches of the edge, more than nine from enemy models. And allocate six wounds to that replacement monster that cannot be negated. Uh, so this is a way to get back zombie dragons and terror guys. It's obviously particularly good right in Gristlegore because you're incentivized to be running those as battle line. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can you can use this for for any sub faction. Obviously, take monsters. Yeah, gosh, I mean that just that could just be crazy and frustrating as hell for your opponent. Like, I just killed a zombie dragon. Uh, no. <laughs> no. And we're back. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah, so I like uh, shadowy obfuscation. Obfuscation. Yeah. This general is not visible to the enemy models that are more than twelve inches away from them. That can be really, really good. I'm thinking of if you've got a unit, you know, you got some maybe crypt guard that you can build out, maybe about three and a half inches. So even if somebody deep strikes, they won't be within twelve of the of the unit. Or I think you had talked about, you know, if you've got a general that's out there running, you know all out to get all over the board and moving all over the board, it still gives them a lot of resilience and that they can't be targeted. So I think both of those are, are really strong. And then we have the Feverish Scholar, which is add one to casting, dispelling, and unbinding rolls. If you have six Noble D points, you add two. Next, Fine. Courtiers. The one that I think you're going to see a ton is the Cruel Taskmaster. Mm-hmm. If this general uses the Muster Guard ability to return models to a unit, reduce the Noble Deeds cost of each return model by one, or if the cost is already one, you can bring back one additional model instead. Mm-hmm. So knights cost you one, and you get two serfs for every one noble deed point coming off of wow. your general. Excellent. So that's, that's pretty good. That's excellent. Stronger in Madness, I like. It adds to the general's wounds characteristic. And while this general has six noble deed points, they have a ward of five up. Very cool. More resilience. All right, and then we have Savage Beyond Reason. That's the third one. It basically is exploding sixes unless you have six noble deed points, and then exploding sixes are three hits instead of two. Okay, cool. I think the other ones are more valuable, but... So, again, you know, as, as we're going to talk about, it's just nice having some good choices, solid choices here, that, and you can use it to build your army a certain way, depending on what you're taking, taking on the board. All right, let's move over to artifacts for our aberrant heroes so don't super love their artifacts Mm -hmm. but there is one in here where certainly you know if you're gonna got our gristle gore you're gonna have your abhorrence on on a big monster heart of the gargant once per battle at the start of the combat phase the bearer can use this artifact if they do so add one of the attack characters of melee weapons used by the bearer and their mount in that phase this stacks with Feeding Frenzy, so you can get plus two for that combat phase on all of your attack profiles in combat. Okay, very good. It is once per battle, but... Um, yep. So, 
I like Grim Garland. It's subtract two from bravery characteristics of enemy units while they're within nine inches of the bearer. I think that's really useful depending on how you build and trying to incorporate those bravery debuffs as part of your kind of your strategy of list building. It could make a huge difference. And you could mm -hmm. have people down to four or five bravery and some of the effects of that could just be brutal. Yeah. Um, so not a bad choice. And then the last one is once per battle. If the hero, in the hero phase, the bearer can use uh, this artifact. If they do so, heal up to 2d3 wounds allocated to the bearer. Okay. I think the other two are much better. So um, given the choices. Yeah, that that's a healing in addition to any other healing that you have. Mm -hmm. So like it's neat, but... And it's you, only, have, you have other ways of healing. And there's only once per battle, too, which is yeah. another thing. So down to the courtier artifacts, I really like charnel vestment. And this is simply the bear gains the priest keyword. Wow. When we talk about yep. the priest uh, prayers that we can, we can have, man, it, there's some really strong stuff here. And having another priest on the board in this army is very, very useful. Yeah, so I really like all the Cordier ones. I like the Flayed Pennant the most. Mm. You can reroll charge rolls for friendly Flesh Eater <laughs> Quartz units while they're wholly within 12 inches of the bear. This is really good on the Crypt Infernal. You know, movement 12 can get where you need it to go. And it's, yes. it's you know, it's saving you on command points. You're going to be command point hungry in this army. Having access to something that's going to save you, you know, quite a few of them over the course of the game is, has a lot of value. Awesome. Okay, Medal of Madness. Once per battle round, okay, battle round, okay, better. The bearer can issue a command without a command point being spent, and they are treated as if they were a general when they do so. So not only are you giving them a free command point, they get extended range too, which is yep. really nice. Excellent. That is really, really nice. And it would be nice, I think we talked about, if it was once per turn, but that would just be crazy, too. But that, once That would be really, really good. This, <laughs> but, is still, this is still quite good. Yes, absolutely. Excellent. So there's some great choices there for command traits and artifacts so far. Yeah. You're going to have a lot of... Uh, you're going to have a lot of characters, so a Warlord Battalion certainly isn't going to be out of the question for... Mm -hmm. Know, how you're going to build your list. Yep. And there's definitely enough artifacts that make you go, yeah, yeah, I I could do this. So we're moving on to the spell lores, and let's just get the one out of the way that we're not really going to talk about. It's Miasmal Shroud. First of all, it's too many words, too much stuff, too much to keep track of. It's just whatever. Listeners, you're more than welcome to look at Miasmal Shroud and see what you think, but we're not real keen on that one. So... Which one are you real keen on? Deranged Transformation. <laughs> yeah. Casting value of a 6. Range yeah. of 24 inches. Successfully cast. Pick one friendly Flesh Eater Quartz unit. Holy within range. Invisible to caster. Those are wounds characteristic of 7 or less. Until your next hero phase, add 2 inches to the move characteristic of that unit. Pretty good. Yeah. And add 1 to wound rolls for attacks made by that unit. <laughs> That's excellent. And then, if you roll a 10 or more on the casting roll. doesn't have to be unmodified, so you can throw primal dice at this. Yep. You can pick up to three different friendly uh, units to be affected by the spell instead of one. That's this is a spell you're going to basically so see in everybody's good. list. Yes. It's it's just good. So many of so many of these war scrolls are fours and threes mm. or mm. fours and fours. Getting that plus one to wound is super, super valuable. And adding those two inches can make all the difference when you're talking about uh, getting two inches closer to your opponents. It's, yeah. 
huge. Then we have Crimson Victuals, which is a spell that has a casting value of 6 and a range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range of the caster and a friendly Flesh Eater Quartz unit that has a wounds characteristic of 1 and is within 6 of the enemy unit. The enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds, then for each mortal wound caused and not negated, you can return one slain model, but if the casting roll is 10 or more, you can return 2D3 models instead of D3. Nice for filling up those ghouls that are yeah, getting smacked I, around. It's especially good, I think, on Crypt Guard, right? It's an out-of-sequence healing activity. You know, I, I don't know that you're going to see it a ton, but, but that's where its value is. Sure. And this could be valuable on, can you do this to uh, your the one unit, the new unit, the Monster Hunter guys? You could do this to them too, right? Yeah. Yes. You could do this to them Because they have well. a wounds characteristic of one. You know, you'll hear about when we talk about the War yeah. Scrolls. Mm-hmm. that there are some models that have more than a wounds characteristic of one, but the unit has a wounds characteristic of one that right. allows you to bring back those multiple yeah. wound models. That's excellent. Or let's get over these excellent prayers. Man, yeah. just some yeah, good stuff. Three, three really good ones. So strong. And this is the whole thing about having, having another priest in the army. And just the fact, it, you, every time we talk about it, you think about the fact that there are actually priests in a death army. It's just so wacky and cool. I mean, it. so the first one blessed this meal, which just visually just, oh man, it creeps me out just thinking about it, but it's okay, Dan. It has an, all these have an answer value of three, by the way, which is excellent. This one has a range of 18, and if answered, pick one enemy unit within range that's visible to the channer. Each time a model from that enemy unit is slain, you can heal one wound to one friendly Flesh Eater Quartz unit within six inches. Holy mutt. <laughs> yeah really good good gosh that's crazed so cool so cool yeah, man. So, so this is this is such a great way to to heal up your dragons your Ushrons, your, dra- your big guys uh, those too, kinds yeah. of things mm-hmm. it's also a nice way to you know heal up some things like knights you know because there's mm-hmm. there's not necessarily another healing mechanic but it doesn't let you bring back units, and that's okay. But this is this is a really effective way of healing your really big stuff. Okay, big stuff. Okay. What do you like here? The Summer King's Favor. This is a way of getting some extra noble deed points onto your courtiers. Mm. Anybody, really. But those are the ones that need it the most. The Summer King's Favor is a prayer that has an answer value of a 3 and a range of 18 inches. If answered, pick one friendly flesh eater courts hero, holy within range, invisible the chanter. Until your next hero phase, that hero gains one additional noble deed point each time they slay an enemy model. So you're getting a point for every wound or mortal wound that you do, and now you're getting another point for every model that you kill. Yeah. This has a very high effectiveness, high return on uh, investment for if you're fighting something that's a one, one wound characteristic unit. Mm-hmm. Most of your stuff is damage too. Cool, so you get a point for each of that damage that gets through, and then that killed a model each. So that one attack got you four points. That's pretty good. Excellent. The last one is Charnel Conviction. It's a prayer that has an answering value of three, range of 18. If answered, pick one friendly Flesh Eater Quartz unit, wholly within range, visible to Chanter. Five up ward, thank you. Pretty strong. Yeah, yep. solid. Nothing wrong with that. Um, and that can be used on any unit, so very cool. All right, we got some mount traits here, man. We do. So you've got the zombie dragon first, the one that I like, the venerated zombie dragon. Add one to hit rolls for friendly mm-hmm. flesh eater quartz monsters while they're wholly within 12 inches of this unit. 
it's great in Gristlegore. You create a big murder ball around your yeah. uh, cool king on zombie dragon, and it's saving you a titanic duel. It's saving you an all-out attack, and yeah. you can use those command points for other things. Pack attack, man, that's great. Okay, so Death from the Skies, instead of setting this unit up on the battlefield, you place it to one side and say it's soaring in the skies in reserve. If you do so, at the end of your first movement phase, you must set up this unit wholly on the battlefield more than nine inches from all enemy units. Deep strike for somebody. Nice. Deep strike and big guys. Never a bad thing. And then we're going to finish up with Baleful Breath. Improve the rank characteristic of this unit's Pestilential Breath by one. Takes it up to rank two. Loving it. It's good. Nothing wrong with that. Since this army is kind of <laughs> kind of short of rend for the most part, yeah. unless you do some special stuff, right? Okay. Uh, what about those terror guys? Last Which up. One? Yeah. So the gruesome bite. Add one of the attacks characters. This unit's Fang Maw. Okay. Pair it with the Gargant Heart. Pair it with Feeding Frenzy. You're going to be at six attacks on the jaw. You know, you've got the spell to reroll hit rolls on it. Go fishing for sixes. Try and do a bunch of damage. Uh, it's fun time for everybody. <laughs> Except for your opponent. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have uh, Horribly Resilient. This unit's Royal Blood ability heals up the 2d3 wounds instead of d3. That's very good. Because you're going to need that healing. There's no question about that. To your point, you know, their saves aren't that great. And if you're not buffing them, it's a 4-up, 6-up. They're going to take a, take a beating, I think. Then the last one is more big Swiftness, yeah. right? Yeah, so thematically, think? this gives you Retreat and Charge. That's pretty cool, you know, especially if you're going to have, like, a bunch of Morbeg Knights. They also have Retreat and Charge. You can have a, a big bat retreating and charging with all the little smaller bats. <laughs> sure. just hitting and running all over the board, you know, doing a bunch of damage. And I, I think that would aesthetically be really cool to see on the table. Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. That would be neat. All right. So that is it for enhancements. Let's move over to the Grand Courts. So the first one is Morgant. So Morgaunt gives you Crypt Guard Battle Line, and Morgaunt makes it easier for you to get your Noble Deed points because mm. you get one Noble Deed point to each friendly Morgaunt Flesh Eater Quartz hero at the end of the turn if that hero is contesting an objective. So that's potentially two free points every battle round for just standing mm -hmm. on the objectives over the course of the game. Uh, you don't even have to control it. You just have to be contesting it. Mm -hmm. And this is nice because it, it means that you don't necessarily have to put your courtiers in as dangerous places, but it comes with the trade-off of this is the rule that you're getting. You know, you you get some pretty good things for for going Hollowmorn or Blister Skin, uh, less so Gristle Gore, but you know, there's there's a choice to be made. Okay. And then we have Hollowmorn, uh, which is add one to the damage characteristics of melee weapons used by friendly Hollowmorn knights. Well. Good. Units that have made a charge move in the same turn, this ability does not affect mounts, which is just fine because horrors don't have mounts. So it's all right. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and the more big knights can still use this. It's all good. Yeah, that's that one's. I think we're going to see that one a lot. Really do. Yeah, yeah. yeah can't uh, an additional one. fifty to a hundred percent more damage. <laughs> yeah, take it. Yeah. So why don't I talk about Blister Skin, because you you really like Gristle Gore. You mentioned that a lot. So Blister Skin is pious nobility. Friendly aberrants gain the priest keyword, but they cannot cast spells. Enchant prayers in the same hero phase, fine. It gives them an incredible amount of flexibility, Brendan, of, choo yeah. you know, situationally, what do I need to do? You know, I've got some awesome prayers. Yeah, sure. Sign me up. 
it's it's really good. This is an army where you're going to go heavy abhorrence to get the most out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly one of the downsides is the Gorm- the Gormain is keyword locked Holomorn, so he wouldn't get access yeah. to actually becoming a priest. But this is maybe a spot where you see the value of the abhorrent Ghoul Kings on foot go up because they're a mm-hmm. one cast one unbind. So losing one cast for one prayer, not a big deal. The unit that suffers the most is probably the Arch Regents because mm. you're you're making a trade there. But having access to more opportunities to pray is is pretty good. Okay, hit us up with the big guy stuff. Yep. So Grisogor makes your zombie dragons and terror guys battle line. You know they're still expensive, so you're not going to see you know like ten of them on the board or anything like that. But you can field the bunch, and what it does is it gives a Savage Strike at the start of your combat phase, only yours, not your opponent's. You can pick one friendly Gristlegore monster on the battlefield. The Strike First effect applies that monster until the end of the phase. Okay. Good. Yeah. You know, lots of lots of monsters, and there's ways of healing them and refilling that. You know, we talk about you know having having priests and this is a this is a build where you don't necessarily have to have courtiers. You can basically just build all abhorrence if you wanted. There's a balance between having some ghouls and stuff on the battlefield that will make you more effective, but you don't have to, which is which is pretty neat. Yeah, yep. Coolio, man. So that's enhancements, and that is Grand Courts. So we are going to jump on into units here in a second. Brendan, it's unit time, and why don't you talk, ab- unit time. talk about these really cool Crypt Guard guys. Yep, so this is one of the new units. The are Serfs. So one, one wound, six-inch move, five-up save, bravery ten. They have cursed weapons, two inch range, two attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage one. Champion adds one to the attacks characteristic. Your standard bearer, if you fail a battle shock test, has the number of models that flee rounding down. That's really good. Mm-hmm. And then the drummer adds one to run and charge rolls for the units while it includes any drummers. Good, especially when you're mm-hmm. bringing them off the board from a resummons. They have Armory of Madness. If any wounds caused by this unit's attacks are allocated to an enemy unit, that enemy unit cannot re- issue or receive commands until the end of the turn. Oh, um, means you can shut off their ability to inspiring presence at the end of the turn. Uh, it also means that if they were saving that point to all attack later, they're not going to be able to, and that's that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. And then their last rule, Royal Bodyguard. This unit has a ward of a 5-up. In addition, add one to ward rolls for friendly Flesh Eater Quartz heroes wholly within three inches of this unit. Sweet. So what's really cool about this is the unit of 10, you can set them up in a way to give Ushran a four-up ward to start the game. They're not going to be able to keep up with them, certainly. But also, it's non-specific. So if you gave a hero that five-up ward from the prayer and you keep them nearby, it becomes a four-up ward. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, wow. good. Solid. Battleline and Morgant, you're going to see pretty much a unit or two of these in almost every every Flesh Eater Quartz list that you're going to you're gonna see hit the table. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very much expecting, and the FAQ comes out, these will be two wound models instead of one. I know they will. No, I, I don't think so. No. <laughs> of course not. Oh, boy. Dream on, Flesh Eater Quartz players. That would be nice. All right. And now we have the Bat Riders, the Morbig Knights, another new model. Very, very cool. Awesome. Yep. Very exciting. So 12-inch move, 3 wounds, 4-up save, 10 bravery. Have the Grizzly Lance and the Vicious Claws and Teeth, both 2 inches. The Lance has 2 attacks, 3s by 3s, minus 1 and 1. And then the Claws have 3 attacks, 3 by 3s, minus 1 and 2 damage. They fly. The Champion gets an extra attack. The 
Uh, standard bearer can be one in every three. If a unit has standard bearers, if they made a charge move the same turn, each model in this unit counts as three models instead of one. Sweet. Three models for a three wound <laughs> model. That's pretty good. Man. Yeah, pretty good. Good stuff, man. A musician, one in every three, add one to run and charge rolls. Very, very helpful. Shrieking charge. After this unit makes charge move, you can pick one enemy unit within one. That unit cannot receive the unleash hell command. In addition, roll a dice for each model in the unit that is within one inch of the enemy on a four up D3 impact mortals. Nice. Coolio. That's great. And then we have Predator's Pounce. If though they didn't have enough cool rules already, they can retreat and charge. Pretty yep. strong. Pretty solid. A really solid unit. When you get Feeding Frenzy up, they go up to seven attacks a model. <laughs> you play them in Hollowmore, and all seven of those attacks are damaged two off the charge. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Uh... Just impact hits, shutting off Unleash Hell for you know enemy units that you come into contact with. Mm -hmm. It's just really solid. Just yep. a really good unit. Yep. Very, very cool. All right, Brendan, let's, I'll do Crypt Flares because you need to do Horrors. They are your okay. guys. Horrors are your, your fun buddies. So let's, uh, let's do Crypt Flares first. 12-inch move, 4 wounds, 5 wounds, 10 bravery. They have their Death Scream, and it has a special rule, uh, but it's 10-inch range, 4 attacks, 4 by 3s, minus 2, 1, and add 1 to wound rolls for attacks made with a Death Scream if the target has a bravery characteristic of six or less. Now, wouldn't, if a unit has their bravery decreased for some reason, that would apply, correct? Yep, that so, would apply, yes. Okay, so if you have a seven that's down to a five, they'd get to add one of their wound rolls. Okay, cool. And then we have Escort Courtier. When you pick this unit to move in the movement phase, you can pick one friendly hero that has a wounds characteristic of seven or less that cannot fly and it's wholly within three inches of this unit. If you do so, remove the hero from the battlefield. After this unit has finished moving, set up that unit wholly within three, and more than three from all enemy units. It's like, cool. Taxi service for <laughs> flesh shooter court yeah. heroes. <laughs> Neat. It's really good for bringing your courtiers with you, say. dropping them off in places, <laughs> so um, because you can still move and move to them before the flares move, or after the flares move, you can move after that. Uh, mm. It's it's a really good way of you know, manipulating where you are on the board space and, and getting some buffs where you need them to be. Cool. So let's talk about your amazing Crypt Horrors. Yeah, so Battle Line in Hollowmorn can't go Battle Line any other way. Four wounds, 7-inch move, 5-up save, Bravery 10. There are septic clubs and talons, two inch range, four attacks, fours by threes, no rend damage two. Uh, the champion adds one to the attacks characteristic. In the hero phase, they can heal up to D3 wounds allocated to them, so it's pretty good. They get mm. an extra point of rend if they are wholly within six inches of any friendly courtiers or 18 inches of any friendly abhorrence. Mm. So they're basically, you're going to expect them to be at rend one. And then warrior elite, if the unmodified wound roll for an attack made with the club and septic talons is six, that weapon has a damage characteristic of three <laughs> instead of two for the attack. Gee. So right, so in Hollowborn off the charge, you pop up to damage three or damage four if you roll sixes. There's very little <laughs> that is going to stand up to a brick of nine horrors that's fully buffed, right? So you get Feeding Frenzy off, wow. you're at five attacks apiece. You know, you get deranged transformation, your movement nine, you're wounding on twos. They're an incredible target for poor frost, either for the hit roll or to bump it over to rend. Mm -hmm. Just a 
really strong units hmm. to take. Excellent. Excellent. All right, now we have the little guys, but they're strength in numbers, as they say. So Crypt Ghouls, six-inch move, one wound, six-up save, ten bravery. Sharpened teeth and filthy claws, one-inch range, two attacks, four by fours, no rend, one damage. Champion gets an extra attack. If the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with this unit is a six, that attack automatically wounds. If this unit has 20 or more models, it auto-wounds on a five or six. Woof, that's really good. Royal Approval, improve the rend characteristic of this unit's melee weapons by one. If it's within nine of a courtier, 18 of an abhorrent. These guys can be really scary, Brendan. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So what are the what are the things we can do? Can we add attacks? Yes. Yep, so you can add attacks from Feeding Frenzy. That's mm -hmm. a really good way of doing this. The thing that they're going to benefit the most from is if you have a priest nearby to throw down Curse. Oh, it's a, scary. If you run a unit of 60, that's 181 oh. attacks, assuming you can get everything in. Oh, you can reasonably goodness. expect to get 30 mortal wounds <laughs> off, of, off of that unit. Whoosh. And then you're automatically, you know, those hits automatically wound on fives because you can't use the, the trigger to do on one dice roll. So you have to either pick if it auto wounds, which why would you, if you have the choice to mortal wound something. Right. So either one or the other, but you're going to pick yeah. models, of course. Yeah. Unless curse doesn't go off and then you do it on the wounds. Easy. Yeah, I mean, even a unit of 40 of these guys, it's 120 attacks, right? Yeah. If you get it up to three, oh, they 100, 121, yep. Yikes. Man, you, and they're only on 25 mils. You can get most of those in on against most units yep. that are not single models. But, man, good God. That's, yeah. that's just 160 nuts. points for 20, You there's really good value in, in these units. Yeah, really good. And there's plenty of ways to bring... A bunch of models back you know you've talked yes. about a couple of them which is really really useful all right um what about these beast flayers new models very cool mm -hmm. yep so these are uh these are a war cry war band these are a really good unit to kind of manipulate how many wounds you're getting back on a per model basis so okay. this unit's wound characteristic is one which is very important and they're keyworded surf okay so Six-inch move, five-up save, bravery 10, one wound. So that makes these eligible for bringing three models back from the Arch region. Okay. And it costs one noble deed point to bring back any of them. Oh, so okay. So the, the thing that's important here is your unit champion has a wounds characteristic of three, but the unit has a wounds characteristic of one, meaning <laughs> that if they kill the unit champion, it only costs one point to bring back the, the unit champion. And so that brings your unit that you're paying for all 10 of these models now you're up to 12 wounds now you get two hounds those are two wounds apiece which brings you up to 14 so you can do seven wounds to this unit and it only costs you three noble deed points to get those seven wounds back or right. you can use your arch regents bringing three models back to one surf unit to this unit to get all of those back so it's a very efficient use of wounds for a surf unit so the seven models that aren't the special ones that we talked about sharpened teeth and claws one inch range two attacks fours by fours no ren damage one fine your unit champion two inch range two attacks threes by threes ren one damage three and then the two dogs are one inch range three attacks fours by threes ren one damage two pretty good they have the hunter's instincts enemy monsters within three inches of this unit cannot carry out monsters <laughs> rampages 
It's awesome. Yeah, and and if it stopped there, it'd be it'd be fine. But in addition, reduce the damage characters of melee weapons used by enemy monsters by one while they're within three inches of any friendly units with this ability to a minimum of one. Oh yeah. So that's not just if they target them. If these if this unit's within three inches of any monster, that monster has their damage reduced by one. Sweetness, so, man. So cool. So yeah, so cool. And then the hounds, while this unit includes any Ophel hounds, add two inches of the move characters to this unit if it's within 18 inches of an enemy monster that have any wounds allocated to them. <laughs> and I was counting up the attacks here with seven and then the one, right? And then you have yep. the three. It's like 22 attacks is what it looks like. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah, for a small unit that's only your, what, pan? how much for these guys? 115 points, 22 attacks. Wow. Really cool. Excellent, yep. excellent. So then when you talk about what they get for feeding frenzy, you know, it, it jumps up to thirty-two attacks. Mm -hmm. So you're well. you're still one attack ahead on the ghouls. Your damage output is higher than a ghoul mm -hmm. on average. Not by much, right? Because all of their attacks are typically gonna have rend one, but mm -hmm. you do have some more damage two, damage three attacks, which mm -hmm. is which is very good. You have the ability to shut down monsters, you you are going to be a touch faster. Your save is a touch better. You're, you have a very similar wound profile on a per-point basis. You just get better value out of it. So that's this is a unit that I think you're going to see. The, the good thing for other people is that there's no way to make them battle line, so you're not going to see people just taking these to sure. to fill the battle line tax. Yep, understood. And then our last two war scrolls are the Terror Geist and the Zombie Dragon, which are exactly the same as they are on the Hero War Scrolls. Yep, they're just yep. 14 wounds instead of 16. That's your only difference. Okay. And they don't have the Royal Blood ability because there's right. not a, a vampire with them anymore. No they're blood just, sucker on a saddle. big okay. monsters. Yep, fair. All right, we are going to move into Endless Spells and Faction Terrain. Brendan, let's talk about some endless spells. There's some pretty interesting ones here. Yeah, <laughs> I I think all three of them are are good, you know, for for different reasons. So mm -hmm. this first one, the Cadaverous Barricade, casting value of a five, range twenty four inches. If successfully cast, set up this endless spell wholly within range and more than an inch from everything. It is a terrain feature. So after it's set up, this endless spell is treated as a terrain feature that has the grasping hand scenery rule except that it can still be dispelled as if it were an endless spell. So that means that you, like most endless spells, you can just walk through them. You just can't un end on them. What this means is that it's a terrain feature, so you have to use all of your movement to go up and down or around or however it is that you're going to get past this. Excellent. And for 20 points, enemy <laughs> units within 3 inches of this terrain feature cannot run or retreat. In addition, if an enemy <laughs> model starts a move within 3 inches of this terrain feature, have the distance that model can move when it makes that move. It's so, so good. It, it's important to note that the having the the distance is on the model that's in range, mm. not the mm. not the unit itself. So the rest of the unit could use its regular speed to you know to get where it needs to go. But sure, it creates an unusual situation that that likely isn't going to come up. But it is it is important that it's distinct and different. With the low casting value, it's pretty easy to get rid of once it's on the board. So you know do do beware of that. But well, your opponent has points. to waste a dispel to do that. So yeah. use a dispel, yeah, instead of on something else. So yeah, excellent. I mean, that the thing is just going to be so annoying. God, you see, you come out on the board and you're like, oh god, really? <laughs> Can I give you five bucks to take it off the board? I don't know. And then we have the chalice of uh, Ushran. 
it has a summoning value of 6 and range of 24. If it's cast, you set it up wholly within range visible to the caster more than one inch from all models, other than the spells, etc., etc. Only flesh eater quartz, yes, wizards, okay. It's predatory, cool. This endless spell is a predatory endless spell that can be moved eight inches. That means like a 32 inch effective range here, Brandon. That's massive, right? I mean, geez. Yep. <laughs> That's huge, 32 inches. And then we have Soul Stealer. So keep track of the number of models that are slain within 12 inches of this endless spell each turn. At the end of each turn, roll a dice for each model that was slain within 12 inches of this endless spell. For each four up, the commanding player can heal one wound allocated to one Flesh Eater Quartz model within 12 inches of this endless spell or return one slain model to one unit that has a wounds characteristic of one that is wholly within 12 inches of this endless spell. Man, oh man. God. <laughs> this, this is awesome because it's what this amazing. is is it gives you a method for dealing your big monsters if mm -hmm. you're playing a Gristlegore kind of list mm -hmm. or... If you're playing a ghoul-heavy list, what you do is you toss this upfield, you take your 100 ghouls, you slam it into your opponent. Um, you're going to do damage, you're going to take damage, but basically for every model that they kill, there's a 50% chance you're going to get that model back. So mm -hmm. you are deeply reducing your opponent's ability to do that damage where, where they'd like it to, and... You can use it to kill kill a unit over here and then fill up another unit, you know, somewhere else. Mm -hmm. It's it's flexible in that regard, where where you can use all these different models that die and mm -hmm. and you and roll a bunch of dice and use that dice to fill up, you know, your your, your army that you threw at them. I mean, and it's nice that it's within twelve inches that you can heal something, not wholly within. Yeah. Right. That's that gives you a little more flexibility for sure. You just have to tap into a corner or something, and you can load them up. That's great. Very cool. Now, how about this last one? I'm, I'm kind of not convinced. So convince me this one's good for sixty points. So what it is is has a casting value of seven, which means it's going to be pretty hard to get off the battlefield when okay. your opponent goes after it. The thing I don't like it has a range of three uh, d six inches for the setup, which oh, is, means that it's going to be impossible to set up sometimes. Super swingy. Because yeah. you have to set it up more than one inches from everything. This base is enormous. It's not a, it's not a base that you can set up. You know, wholly within, <laughs> you know, two inches of. Well, it's wholly within three and not be within an inch of of the model casting it. That's not, that's not possible. So there's going to be some times where it doesn't work, but. It is predatory in that it flies 12 inches, and after the endless spell is moved, roll six dice for each unit that has any models it passes across, so it hits every unit it flies over, which is, mm -hmm. which is where its value is. For each roll that is greater than the unit's wound characteristic, that unit suffers one mortal wound. For each six, that unit instead suffers one mortal wound, regardless of its wound's characteristic. Okay. So this is just going to be on the battlefield. It's just going to be zipping around. It's going to be doing chip damage. Mortal wounds are pretty tough to come by in, in this book, as, you know, as you've seen to this point, you know, we, mm -hmm. we didn't say, oh, you know, when you do this, you get mortal wounds. You know, it's, they have to be manufactured from somewhere else for the most part. Sure. This is something where your opponent's kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't deal with it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's 12 inches. It can fly everywhere. It can get behind your opponent. It can go, it can go hit some heroes. Like, yeah, you know, they're going to be five or six doing characters and you're not going to roll a ton of those. And that's, that's okay. But, this is really good for chipping away at units that have lower wounds characteristics that you know are contesting an mm -hmm. objective or and 
because of when it triggers, it triggers at the end of the hero phase. That's before you move. That's before you set things up. That's you know, it's go, it's potentially going to give you a window to drop a unit in and hit an opening that is made with this endless spell. Okay, awesome. Then we have the faction terrain, which is the Charnel mm-hmm. Throne, set up wholly within your territory. More than three from all objectives and other terrain features. If both players can set up at the same time, you roll off. It's defensible. So this terrain feature is defensible and can be garrisoned by one Flesh Eater's Court hero that has a wounds characteristic of up to seven. It's a ghoulish landmark. While an enemy unit within 12 inches of this terrain is within 12 inches of this terrain feature, it cannot be affected by any abilities that allow units to ignore battle shock tests. Wow. Except for OBR, everybody else is going to be kind of shut down, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It's 12 inches, a 24-inch bubble, man. Yeah, it's it's good. It's a terrain feature that you know you're definitely incentivized Ooh. to push forward onto the battlefield, you know, because that's where you're, you're certainly going to get the most benefit of you know dealing with shutting down bravery. Mm-hmm. And you know that's not even counting the last ability, right? Ruler of all they survey. Oh, you yeah. get an extra D3 noble noble deed points at the start of your hero phase for the flesh of your court's hero that's garrisoning the terrain feature. <laughs> Wow. I really like to put an arch regent in the chair because mm-hmm. with those D3 and with their casting attempts, you're going to get to six pretty quickly. Mm. And I just leave them in the chair because their healing range is 18 inches, you know, bringing models back to either surf units or night units. Mm-hmm. Having it not all the way upboard, but certainly further upboard is going to give you a, a really nice area where, where that character is going to be able to benefit you and your army over the course of the game. Okay. Great. There's some good stuff here on these two pages. There really is. You really have to think about how you're going to spend some points, man. It's great. But it's great to have those kind of options, too. And just start trying stuff and see what works and what doesn't. Okay. I think that's it. we got to go back and do strats and tactics, yes? Yep. I think that's the last thing uh, in this book. What do we got here? So we got three grand strats. And I think they're okay. I think maybe one is better than the other two, but I, I think they're fine. Okay. The one that I think is imminently doable is Defend the Throne. When the mm. battle ends, you complete this grand strategy of a friendly Charnel Throne is on the battlefield and garrisoned by a friendly, friendly Flesh Eater Quartz hero, and there are no enemy units within six inches of it. I think that's pretty doable, just the way that your army is going to fight up board. You know, you're basically going to be kind of starting from around the throne and working your way out. Certainly, if you're getting your butt kicked, this you're not <laughs> going to be able to get it, you know, but you're not going to get most grand strategies if you're getting your butt kicked. Yeah, truth, okay. Then we have legendary exploits. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy with at least three friendly Fresh Eater Quartz heroes on the battlefield that have six noble deed points. Ooh, I don't know about that. That's especially near the end of the battle, that might be a little tough because there's going to be a dearth in most cases of enemy models that are going to be on the board for you to get those points. And you have to be fully loaded at the end of the battle, all three of those heroes. Ugh. That's that's going to be a tough tough order, I think. Yeah, like you're going to have a lot of heroes, but mm. a lot of these heroes are pretty squishy. Yeah, and they got to all be loaded up fully too. You, five yes. doesn't do it, right? That and that's I think the the harder part is to make sure they've got all their noble D points. What about the last one? Yep, expand the kingdom. The battle ends. You complete this grand strategy of a friendly abhorrent is wholly within enemy territory. Thankfully, it doesn't necessarily have to be your general. Mm-hmm. And the enemy general is not within enemy territory. I don't love this one just because 
number one, it's easy to deny, but number two, most armies, well, I won't say most, but a lot of armies have a super buff, really difficult to kill general, <laughs> and people are going to spend a lot of energy protecting it. Yep. All right, well, let's go to battle tactics. I'm not real thrilled about most of these. No. I don't know about you, but I'm looking going, okay, let's see where else we could get battle tactics. It's going to be tough for Flesh Eater Courts to get all five of their battle tactics, I think. It's going to be a real challenge for a lot of armies. Um, yeah, you're, you're, not get, you're not getting lots of free ones here out of the book, so you gotta, no. you got to work for them. So the first one is Scream to Death. Pick one enemy unit on the battlefield to complete this battle tactic. If that unit is destroyed this turn, by an attack made with a missile weapon used by a friendly Crypt Flayers unit in Infernal Courtier or a Royal Terrorgeist. Uh, maybe if you find a unit that's out there and is you know limping along, and it's only got a model or two left, and you can target it, that's great. But you, you're going to have to have an appropriate target. So Right. Yeah. There are a lot of enemy units that, yeah, I, I don't know. This is going to be a tough one. What about the next one? Dalliant Slaying. Pick one enemy monster on the battlefield, so your opponent's got to have one. You complete yeah. this battle tech yeah. if that unit is destroyed during this turn by an attack made by a friendly aberrant. So, thankfully, aberrants on Ghoul Kings, Zombie Dragons, Terrorgeist, and Ushran all your big killy aberrants and obviously your foot ones are are decent mm -hmm. but it's yeah. dependent on your opponent having this and you also mm -hmm. have to set it up to do it yep uh overrun you complete this battle tactic if every enemy unit on the battlefield is within three inches of a friendly flesh eaters court unit at the end of the turn yep your <laughs> opponent's whole army has to be in combat if they have somebody over in the corner that you absolutely can't get to sorry it's not happening, right? I mean, <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you about those three models over there. Hey, ah, man, that's going to be a tough one. But uh, we're going to say it a lot here because it's true. <laughs> yeah. What about the feast? Maybe the feast, huh? Yeah, so the this one's possible, but, you know, it's you got to set it up. You complete this battle tactic of every friendly unit on the battlefield is wholly within 12 inches of a friendly Flesh Eater Quartz hero that has six noble deed points at the end of the turn. Ooh. So, uh, Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it, it's it's not impossible, but you gotta, you got to either be winning or you're getting your butt kicked yeah. for this to... For this to be set up most of the time. Yeah. I mean, you have to have the luxury of being able to place your units in a position to get this thing. You know, and you can't always play, you have them out doing things, so you can't always reposition them to get this tactic. And that's what I'm saying there. Okay. Lance formation. You complete this battle tactic of two or more friendly knights units made a charge move this turn, and the charge roll for each of those units was seven or more. It is a dice game, <laughs> and we have seen our share of rolling less than seven on charge rolls. Yeah, so so thankfully it's not unmodified roll of a seven, but you have to charge with at least two knight units, and all of them, whether you charge with two or with seven, every single one of those knight units that you charge with has to be yep. a seven or more. Yeah, it's not two, it's four each. Yeah. So, yep. Oof. That that feels bad. <laughs> so like, it's it helps, right? If you've got your crusading army, so there's there's plus one. Mm -hmm. You know, 
you've got a musician, you know, on like your Morbeg Knights, so you get plus two to it. But are you going to roll a five up on every single Morbeg Knight unit, and then you're just not going to charge with uh, that unit of horrors that you got? Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. But this last one, I I think, is one that you can rely on pretty much in in any game. Uh, the ties of chivalry. Pick one objective on the battlefield that your opponent controls. Cool. You complete this tactic if you control that objective at the end of the turn. Cool. And it's contested by at least one friendly surfs model, which is you know your ghouls, your crypt mm. guard, or your beast flayers. Sure. One friendly knights model, so flayers, horrors, or knights, and one friendly courtier model, which is a bunch of them. That's mm-hmm. super doable. You're going to have those units near each other, oftentimes, anyways. Yeah. That that one's totally fine. Yeah, one out of six. That's that's pretty good. Print. <laughs> so I mean, that's that's the book, though, Dan. You know, yeah. what's um, yeah. You have any closing thoughts I, on, yeah, on how I, this army is? And I like that you can, you know, build to different things. You you don't. Have, it looks like it's not just a cut and paste kind of thing where it's going to be the same. You know, this is mandatory, this is mandatory, this is a a must-take, that kind of thing. Like, you know, we had talked offline a little bit that this is, you know, you could build a monster-centric list here if you wanted to. And you could have fun with it. You may Maybe it would be competitive. I don't know, but it would sure as hell be fun to have a bunch of zombie dragons and terror guys running around the board. And you've got the ability to, you know, make them battle line and all that. It could just be awesome. You have the ability to ghoul somebody out man 100 you know three units of 40 or whatever it is just piling up the board and recursion and just coming back and just tearing into people if you get curse off and just really really amazing you just do the body thing or you can do a cavalry thing if you want you know between the horrors being knights and more big knights that would be pretty cool i mean you have so many options of how you build this army i love the fact that the prayer lore is strong and that this is a death army where priests actually can play a really critical role in the army because that's unique you know cool um if you want to yeah. go that way i think that's really awesome and the book just seems balanced whatever you know that word ends up meaning but i think for everything that seems really strong there's something else that's kind of a limiting factor but again so many different ways to do things here and for the most part like all the enhancements are are pretty solid there there are a few that have have a little work to do but you have a lot of choices and most of them are reasonable or strong choices and that's really good too that you don't have to you know choose among the worst kind of things for the most part. So all those things really are exciting when it comes to this army and building an army like this. Yeah, from from the competitive perspective, I really like that you've got a lot of different choices. I think every sub-faction has value. You can take an army, play it in a different sub-faction, and mm. it's going to perform differently. Yeah. It's going to do different things. You can take the exact same list in a Morgant army, flip it over to Hollowmorn, and it's a completely different play style. Yes, it's, yes. You know, it's something where you're going to you know, have to change the way that you focus on getting your noble deed points, but your your knight units are going to do more damage. Mm-hmm. You know, you can 
flip over to something like Blister Skin, and you can have a bunch of priests on the battlefield. You mm-hmm. can play Gristlegore and have a bunch of monsters. Yep. There's yep. there's a bunch of different ways to play, which is great. It's a book that forces you to make choices in terms of what it is that you're going to be doing. You yeah. can't just throw all your favorite stuff in there, and then it's going to be a good and a great time. You know, which is the indicator of a of a well-built battle tome that you're having to make meaningful choices mm. that preclude you, or rather exclude you, from making decisions elsewhere. Okay. You don't get it all. I think this is a book that has the ability to win five games, but it's not going to happen with just you know someone who just grabs the book off the shelf, you know, puts an army together and mm-hmm. goes goes and plays. There's a lot of decision-making that has to happen at list-building. There's a lot of decision that has to be made on the battlefield. And there's a lot of pre-planning that has to happen to put all of that together. There's nothing in here that has such overwhelming power that you're just going to roll somebody over. Mm -hmm. Because even even your best combat units, Ushran, Ghoul Kings, Ontarageist, or Zombie Dragons, are kind of squishy. Yeah. They're 16 mm-hmm. wounds, they're a 4-up save. You know, Ushran is a 5-up ward, but everything else is a 6-up ward. Things are, things are going to die. You know, that's yeah. that's going to happen, so you have to be very cautious of, of what it is that you that you take. So it's a really cool book. The lore matches the models, matches the yes, rules. Yes, yes, yes. And I think that's where you get like a really special book. This is certainly on release, probably one of the most balanced books there's maybe only a couple of things that i think need clarification there's a couple of units that i think are underpointed looking at you mm. arch regent uh, what you're getting for 150 <laughs> points there is, don't tell him don't tell him it's pretty good you know but at the same time there's you know probably a couple of units that need to come down 20 or 30 points but for the most part i, I feel like it's it's probably right where it's supposed to be and mm-hmm. this is an this is a book that i'd be very interested to see what fourth edition looks like but because of its toolbox nature, I think is well positioned to play into the future, and that's that's pretty cool. Awesome, great. Well, thank you for that, and yeah, excited to see what people put on the table here. It really will be yeah. cool. All right, man. Well, that is it for Flesh Eater Courts, and with that, we are going to move on to Scriptorium time. Etc. 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 Brendan, there is really nothing new except for a few short stories because it is Advent story season. So other than that, there's nothing new since last time. So we can just move on. (laughs) Your stuff reads, listens, watches. Yep. I've got about two hours left in the Lost and the Damned volume two. So I'll (laughs) I'll be done done here before the holidays. Are you enjoying good, solid? Yeah, this is pretty clearly like the... Like the table setter one. Okay. Like I feel like a lot of trilogies really suffer from the the middle passage being the being the most difficult one, the most tedious one. Yes. Because like there there's a lot of stuff happening, but like in the first book, right, so much stuff was happening. You know, yes. The, this this is more the explainer. I feel like. Oh, okay. And, All right. And then we're gonna jump over to you know volume three, and you know that's gonna be the the grand finale the the big finish okay you know so so we have that i've been watching on netflix it's a it's a formerly a star show called super pumped it's the story of uber oh and i don't know if the guy who ran uber was this much of a jerk but like (laughs) I, i don't know that you could do much more to to have cast this guy in life you're like wow 
he sucks. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, I've been, been watching that. So I got to figure out, you know, what's what comes next on on the listens for my my audiobooks and things like that. Okay. But yeah, that's that's what I've got. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to start out with a little bit of sad news for anybody who knows uh, David Drake has been an author of science fiction, military science fiction for years and years and years. I started reading him when I read the Hammer Slammers series. I've talked about that before. There was a book the sharp end, and it was incredibly impactful. He's got a lot of hands-on experience, as it were. Um, so he writes from a very, very realistic point of view when it comes to soldiers on the front line kind of thing. And he translated that into a science fiction kind of series and universe. And he's also written many other stories. He wrote a book called Redliners, which should have been made into a movie years ago, but just a lot of great, great military sci-fi. And so he just passed the past mm. couple of weeks, which was a loss. Book-wise, I'm continuing to read Thulman, the second book of the trilogy. I don't know. There's just some comfort in reading old world stories. I don't know what it is, but just thoroughly enjoying it. I finished listening to Dark Harvest. The thing that was amazing, I had not listened. I don't know if I read it the first time or listened to it, but you get this totally different perspective on Sylvaneth. So if you were a Sylvaneth player interested in Sylvaneth lore, I would really recommend this story because it just presents this incredibly bloodthirsty, just horrid side of the Sylvaneth that you never really get in the lore. I mean, you know they kill stuff and they're you know tough in combat and battle and all that stuff, but these Sylvaneth were just twisted, man. I don't, I don't know any other way to put it, but it was a good story. It really It's almost like a murder mystery in the, the Mortal Realms, which is kind of cool. I'm continuing to listen to Gene Father, which has been really good. It's the whole call versus uh, bile thing, and interesting. And then on the way back from our long drive, Cindy and I started listening to the last Caiaphas Kane book, which is Choose Your Enemy. And as always, we really enjoy his stories. We'll probably finish it. We've got to head out sometime in the next few weeks again, back east, and we'll probably finish it up then. House of Usher, which you recommended to me. Yeah. I'm going to say that it is definitely a modern take on the Poe short story. In fact, it is so modern that the story essentially has nothing to do with the original, except for a couple of characters. Madeline and Roderick, who are their brother and sister, and there's a creepy old house, right? In the modern uh, thing. There were basically three characters and a, and a spooky old house in the original story. And it was a short story. So, you know, I'm halfway through my first episode and I'm going, this isn't House of Usher. Like, this is nothing to do with House of Usher. So, but as I kept watching it, I'm like, but there's all these little Poe references that a lot of people might not understand. So the more I'm watching, the more I see little things that remind me. There was like this tell, Telltale Heart, which is one of his stories reference. And obviously there's a Raven reference. And there's other things and you're going, oh, I get it. So I'm halfway through the second episode. I'm like, this is basically just a collage of all kinds of different things from Poe, whether they're quotes or ideas, whatever. And they may, and they incorporated them into this totally new story. And it's really cool. <laughs> so in the end, I'm really enjoying it. But at first I was just like, Brendan, what do you, what do you have me watch, man? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> but now, you know, and again, uh, it's, Obviously, it's a modern take, but really very, very, very different if you 
read the short story, the original short story. But the acting is really good. The guy who plays Roderick is is amazing. And it's it's just, well, there's a lot of continuity. It, it just moves really nicely. So I'm glad I'm watching it. So thank you for the recommendation. Despite the rough start, I'm, I'm, I'm all in now. <laughs> so my friend Mike and I went to see Godzilla Minus One. Brendan, you got to go see this movie. It's great. Okay. It's so cool. Just a fun movie? Well, no, it's... It's like the movie is compelling human drama. And, okay. and there's Godzilla, too, right? But this is a story about post-war Japan. Post-World War II Japan, really, is what it is. And the central character, I'm not giving a whole lot away, was a kamikaze pilot. And you're going, well, wait a minute. Kamikaze pilots died. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so you're going, oh, what's up with that? It just, it was so well done. And when... You think about the fact that this is entirely a Japanese cast, entirely in Japanese, with subtitles, fortunately. The acting is so good. Like, you get happy, you get sad, you get shocked. You're emotional at some of the things that happen. Just because the acting is so good, the language is not a barrier. And then there's Godzilla. <laughs> you throw that into the story. And I'm not going to give anything, a big thing away, but th there's just some epic scenes with him. So one of the things is this is post-World War II Japan, right? And the Japanese Navy has basically been disarmed. So there's a, a Japanese cruiser that's returning from another area, and it's coming back to have its guns removed and stuff. So Godzilla's about to attack this small boat and this cruiser shows up, you know, awesome, the, the whatever it was shows up and it just starts firing broadsides into Godzilla. And it was like, oh, this is cool. Well, broads, Godzilla, all it did was make him mad. So he swims over to this ship and he's like grabbed it and he's biting it. And all the time he's trying to tear the ship apart, the Japanese crew is still firing broadsides into him. And just like this epic, heroic last stand, right, of this crew <laughs> trying to kill him. It was just amazing, right? And there's a lot of metaphor, obviously, you know, the nuclear thing, Godzilla, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, it also gave such an, an amazing perspective on post-war Japan. And I think you'll enjoy that part of it. And then real quickly, finally, um, there's a brand new Miyazaki movie called The Boy and the Heron. And my friend Mike and I are going to go see that. So listeners, any of you who have enjoyed Spirited Away, taking your kids to see that or anything, this looks like it'll be a movie that they would enjoy as well. So we are going to go, go take a look at that. All right, buddy. Let's move on. This or that. Brendan, it's this or that time, and what shall we do? I'm going to start. Okay. So uh, we'll start with things from from the book. So Dan, if you had a Flesh Eater Quartz army, <laughs> what sub-faction would you be building around? Oh, God. Now I have to look at it. <laughs> okay, I pulled right to the page. Awesome. I think it would be Holomorn. I think so. Because of the units I would think of taking... Just a lot of knights. Yeah, knights, horrors, more bigs, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think I'd focus on that. Yeah. Okay. You know, skipping right over everything else, I guess. Okay. So this is this is probably our last episode for twenty twenty three. Yes. Uh, I yes. think that's pretty fair to say. So Dan, what was what was your favorite thing from the last year? Can be hobby, can be personal, just Oh sure. Well, two things. We'll do hobby and one other thing. So RVing, starting RVing with Cindy, it's been just wonderful. It's been such a cool experience. Yeah, it's been 
really, really neat and very fortunate that we were able to do that. Then the thing I think from a Sigmar and podcast and all that stuff, I think just enjoying my Sylvaness so much mm-hmm. and really getting into painting them and getting into learning about them and trying different lists, you know, starting out with Oak and Brow and ending up with what I've got now. It's just been really, really neat to have one army and try so many things with it and still really enjoy playing it. So that's been cool. Yeah. All right. What was your favorite? Do you have a favorite Christmas and or New Year's tradition that you enjoy? No, not really. No. Okay. No, really. We because we don't really have family around here that we, you know, kind of do stuff with. I think New Year's probably there's something we kind of we usually bust open a bottle of champagne and get a bunch of uh, frozen like. You know, little frozen appetizers and stuff, and have that watch a movie or something. So that's really about it, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah. Christmas, you know, can go one of two ways for most most families: turkey or ham. Mm. Are you a turkey or a ham person? Ham person uh, at Christmas. Okay. Ham for sure. Yeah. Because I can remember my mom. I, so that's talk about traditions. My mom used to make these huge hams, and she would you know, put those cloves, like she would stick the cloves in, like every two inches, she just like network them all over the ham. (laughs) (laughs) And she would put this amazing like mustard and brown sugar sauce on top of it. And ew, it was just, and then she'd have pineapple slices and she'd have cherries. Like it was was a thing of beauty, man. (laughs) So yeah, it'd definitely be ham. Now, the last question. Uh-oh. We've, we finally know the final four for college football. Oh, God. Florida State was done dirty. Who's, who's actually winning the whole thing now? I'm calling Texas. Yep. Calling Texas. Yep. I don't want Michigan to win. I don't want Washington to win. I don't care if Bama wins or not. So Texas is my choice. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Here's my logic. Those... Those are my five. Okay, buddy. So I've got a few from the book, actually. So would you take Knights or Horrors? Probably the Horrors. If we're talking Hollow Morn, I think in other, I think in in all others, I think I'm more likely to take the Morbeg Knights. Okay. Okay. A Vorgolf Courtier or a Haunter Courtier? That's, that's a good one. If if I've got the points, I'm taking the bar golf. Okay. Okay. Easy answer. The judge or the cardinal? <laughs> Another good question. All right. That is, got that you is twice. Okay. One. Cool. In in a vacuum, probably the judge. Okay. Okay. Fair. Yeah, I I think there are other things that would potentially inform why you'd take the cardinal, but you know, just in a, strictly in a vacuum. I, I, I think the judge. Okay. Okay. Games. If you could start over from the beginning of either one of these games, which would you start over? Not okay. having played anything, either one of them. Would you start Skyrim or would you start Cyberpunk? I get you, I I mean, get you that, like two or three good questions here. This is good. <laughs> that, that first playthrough of Skyrim was magical. Yeah, right? like oh. like a game like that had never existed before. Like like in in that way, I I would probably and like I've played through it so many times. Mm. I I would say probably Skyrim. I really enjoyed Cyberpunk. I really enjoyed yeah, you know, 
really getting two fresh looks at it because the initial release and and the post 2.0 update <laughs> very different games sure. you know so I, I would i would say probably skyrim okay fair yep yeah i'd take skyrim over uh starfield any day just if i had to choose yeah sure. it's just so you're right magical is a good word okay i'm gonna repeat question so do you think so it's kind of a two-part question so bama or Michigan, man, I like you can go back and listen to you know talking about the national championship two years ago, and I was like, like give me give me Nick Saban and all. Like, of all, course, all we said people. that. Yes, I like <laughs> until that man is not coaching or dead. You know the I'm 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 not I'm not betting against him. It's not it's not a smart proposition. So okay. I'll 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 take Alabama. Okay, Washington or Texas? I. I think Washington is going to beat Texas. I mm-hmm. the thing that Texas does really well is they defend the run uh, particularly well. Washington doesn't care. Washington is not a running team. Mm-hmm. They're going to make your two three hundred and fifty pound defensive linemen a liability. They're going to spread you out and they're going to mm-hmm. throw that ball for five hundred sure. yards. And I, I think guess. they got momentum. Honestly, they really the, finished strong. So. The, the real problem is if those two teams win and Washington plays Alabama. Well, that was my and, next question. So yeah. Washington and Bama, who's... Washington, I think, has no answers for an Alabama matchup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alabama has probably the best secondary in the country. They have three NFL players back there right now, for sure. You know, and And the fourth might just be because he's, you know... A little bit younger. Okay. Like, okay. Sure. Sure. Uh, but but you have three guys back there who could start on an NFL team today. Okay. And you know it's a it's a strength versus strength on defense, and I think that Alabama's offense has come a long way over the year, and Washington's defense has had some really suspect moments throughout the season. And as much as I hate it, I think Alabama wins. I'm I'm mad okay. about it. It's stupid. I hate this. Okay. But if Florida State beats Georgia, Florida State is the national champion. Yeah, sure. I, you know, I'll okay. I'll hear I'll hear no no other terms from that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think that's it for me. All right, man. The show close time. There is something going on around here, something you may not even know about. Brendan, it's not Sunday, so too bad. So sad. That's so sad. No Sunday announcements. Do you have have any Q&A? Because I have one. Yeah. I I have a question from our friend Tanya. Yeah. Tanya is asking, how many Vargolfs is too many Vargolfs (laughs) in a Flesh Eater Quartz list? This, this, the queen of of, uh, Flesh Eater Quartz, man. I love her with her FEC. So how many many is too many? I'd say more than two. You are really, you're you're really doing yourself a disservice in in your roster. Okay. That's fair. My question is from our friend from Sweden, Everett, and he asks you, are there any units that you would consider as allies to fit into another death army from this book? From Flesh Eater Courts into other books? Or yes, yes. Probably the, the Cardinal, mm, mm-hmm. I, I think, would, I think would, leave, uh, would leave well. The, obviously, you don't get to give him an enhancement, but the Speak in Tongues command, or the Speak in Tongues trait is just is just good you know it's a mm-hmm. prayer with a four up no commands for you i i think that's probably all else equal the 
the only one that I'd probably send over. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm flipping through the book. I guess the Vargulf doesn't have any any specific buffs to anybody else, but I, I feel like those points would be better spent elsewhere. Okay. Yeah, That's was, a good question, though. That's... Yeah, that is a good question. Yeah, because Bone Reapers don't take any allies. That's... Mm-mm. Because like the thing that Bone Reapers would like is like a unit of ghouls. You spend 160 points. You put oh, a, yeah. you put a bunch of models across it. I I think the one that's most likely to to be useful is probably the Cardinal. Okay, that's my question then. All right. Well, this is the last episode of 2023. We'll figure out the first episode of 2024 when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> See what's out or what we decide we're going to talk about. So, listeners, thank you for a great year. We really, really have enjoyed bringing the show to you and hopefully entertaining and informing and doing all the wonderful things that we're, our goal is to do. Brendan, thank you for a great year, buddy. Yeah, and, thank uh, you. Congratulations on some really wonderful things that have happened to you in your life this year. Yeah. It's really, really cool. And uh, to everybody, have a happy holiday, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Uh, and uh, in your hobby and otherwise, stay safe, stay healthy, and don't forget shenanigans because life is better when you are up to something. Bye! This is the